This is not going to be easy for you, but it'll be good. Nothing good is ever easy. Up your ass, Joni. You've had your teeth in this family's tit for a long time. Up your ass? A very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Do not use that word in front of my son. Eat shit. Eat shit. You entitled I would slap that smug smile. Definitely eat shit. Shit. I'll eat shit. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Liam. I'm Ethan. And I'm Georgia. Hey, and that's the gang today. It's a special, we're doing a bonus episode today. Yeah. So it was one of those things where, I mean, usually we do this on like a Sunday night, but we're doing this on a Friday lunchtime, really. Yeah. Wake up yeah. call and watch watch, watch a movie. Was it a good movie? We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, but no, and, and, and the reason for this, it was nice, first off, that the, the old school music. We haven't had the, 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 the sort of nice. the, the old school theme for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a thing, you know, I'm sure when I've scored out, you know, themes, nice yeah. But it's nothing you're listening to going, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's all. Um, so it's good to get back to that. But uh, let's go ahead and jump uh, more or less right into this. It's a bonus episode, so there's no shout-outs. No. There's no uh, world talk ranking sort of stuff to talk about. It's just to sort of dive in. I do want to say one small shout-out, and that's to friend of the podcast, Carlo. Carlo. Low, 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 low. He said he went to our Facebook page and was surprised to see what we look like and that none of us like measured up with like, do, do you ever see somebody whose voice you know from the radio and go oh that's how i imagine that guy like never never never, never. and i said of course we're all much better looking than you thought i'd like to <laughs> so Definitely. i'd like to i'd like to think uh, i'd like to see what he thought we looked like that would be great how cool would that be i probably look like a cartoon dog yeah, tweet, guy. tweet us with tweet us with what you think what, what you, you think, think we, we would look like what were like the what were the other versions yeah. thereof yeah so definitely here we are. We are here, and we're doing this because um, Christopher Plummer passed away. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so a, a, a big was Christopher Plummer. Is he is he English? What is he? They think American. Is he? Is he? He might even be Canadian. Is he? He might be. He was very involved in the Stratford Festival back home. Oh, okay. So I don't know if someone can do a little bit of fat, old school fact check corner while we go ahead and talk about this. Yeah. But he passed away. And we he passed away, and we wanted to go. Okay, let's do something from Christopher Plummer. And I thought, well, Knives Out, Canadian, Canadian, well hey, like everywhere. <laughs> we, we're just hiding, hiding in plain sight, much like most of the clues in this film. Absolutely. And so it was just a matter of going. You know, um, I mean, Christopher Plummer's career. I mean, it's Extensive. it's varied. It's yeah. varied. And if I'm honest, a lot I hadn't even heard of. Yeah, the overwhelming majority I hadn't even heard of. But he's he was. Well into his 90s, I think, when he dies. Was he? Late 80s, early 90s. Wow. 89, I think. 89. So, you know, like when do you start slowing down? Probably around your mid-late 50s, right? So by yeah. that point, that's like 35 years ago. Okay, 35 years ago from now is about 1986. When did I start watching films or what era of films am I most familiar with? Yeah. So, I mean, Georgia, it feels like we should let you have first hop. I mean, are you aware? I know you got face blindness, but hope I don't think you have <laughs> legacy blindness. You know what Christopher Plummer is most famous for, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Sound of Music. Yep. Yeah, he's Captain Von Trapp. 
Uh, I believe he called it the sound of mucus. He hated it so really? much. And there's a story that he purposely like overate while he was on set. So okay. they had to keep get, make, letting his costume out. It yep. was like his quiet act of defiance. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was dre- He loved working with Julie Andrews, but yeah. he thought the material was just so syrupy, sweet, and nothing to it. Wow. And if you think about his role in that film, it was not much for him. I've never seen no. it. You've never seen Sound of Music. <laughs> no, I haven't. No, this is both as a film much. person, but also as like a musical lover. I'm really surprised by this. Did I you know. come and see it when I did it? Oh, yeah. I'll see in the stage. Because oh, okay. Christopher Plummer. Oh, no, he wasn't in that one. He, wasn't he in was that not one. in that one. Like, no. At least you've seen Sound of Music. But you, know, music you know when you sit down and you think, oh, I'm going to watch this. I actually own it on DVD. But still, never watched it. Sound of Music's a long watch. Yeah, it's, it's a long not watch. been a while. I've been in the mood to, to to watch. But there was a certain stoic power that he had in that film, and something I thought was really, really um, well done, for lack of a better word. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he has to be the foil to Julie Andrews in that, and I think he's very, very good in it. He's very, very. I good shall give it a watch. Anybody else have something from Christopher Plummer's back catalog they want to talk about briefly? Um, I discovered yesterday that he was an op. And that blew my mind that he was the like the bad guy. He's the villain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I, got I a never voice realized though, that. I also found out he was in like an old, an old uh, like medieval video game. I say old. It's like ten years old. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, Skyrim. <laughs> it's not, that I love. It's not best video game ever. We're doing best <laughs> yeah, film ever. Yeah, I know. Ever. It just sort of so if, shocks me. You know what? This isn't Christopher Plummer that. who's done two films, and we have to pad it with video games. <laughs> the guy's had like a sixty-year career in film. When so, he did National Treasure, I just wanted National to- Treasure. He ah, played. National he Treasure. played the. He played the patriarch. I like National Treasure. I like National. I Treasure. I think it's a fun little film. Both of them. I don't even mind the second one. People, yeah. people crap on it. I, I think they're both fun little films. They are. Well, well, apparently, apparently he was covering that for talking to Mickey. Apparently, yeah, he was possible. in the girl with the dragon tattoo. He is. He is the. Uh, he's the patriarch of that. When you get a certain age, is what you play. You play yeah, patriarchs. Yeah. Yeah. But he plays the patriarch in that, and he's very, very good in that. And of course, he was the one who famously covered for. Um, he covered for Kevin Spacey when they re, re recast him. In. What was the name of the film? Uh, All the money in the world. All the money in the world. Oh, for okay. which for which he became the oldest actor ever to be nominated for an Academy Award for acting. Wow. Yeah. That's, and that's previously good. he had won an Academy Award, and I totally don't remember what for now. Dang it! Maybe someone wants to look it up for <laughs> best supporting actor, and he's the oldest one to ever win an Academy Award for acting wow. as well. So he's got both of those. Oh, okay. You guys so, will all appreciate this. Yeah. He made his debut at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in 1956, and then went on to play Andrew Aguecheek in Twelfth Night in Stratford in 1957. Yeah. Is, is this Stratford here or Stratford Canada? Must be Stratford, Stratford Canada. Canada. Excellent. Yeah. That's, That's a cool great. part. I've, I've seen Twelfth Night <laughs> in Stratford Canada. Not oh, with him. Not no. with him. But uh, no, it I, is a very cool we've part. We've been in Twelfth Night. We've been in Twelfth. <laughs> and you played Sir Andrew Aguecheek. So you yeah. and Christopher Plummer have things in common. We do. You do. So if someone can at some point, I don't know, have a look and see kind of where his Academy Award was for. I think he won it in about 2010, I want to say. Uh, Best Supporting Actor. I would do it, but I'm sort of uh, spinning yeah, all the no, plates here. You are spinning all the plates. All right. So Awards. Ha, well, 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 go ahead and look. I'm going to set the, the film up. So uh, has anybody seen Knives Out besides me? No. Yes, I saw it in the cinemas when it came out. I saw it in the cinemas when it came out. It was highly recommended by a colleague who generally, if she likes it, I like it. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, so that's always good. It's always good to have someone where you go, okay, we, we seem to share like a, a, 
a flavor palette for films, if you will. Yeah. And if they tend to like it, I'm not like you and all your silly action films, Liam. <laughs> I love my car chase movies you, and beat em up movies. <laughs> and don't let logic or plot or script get in the way of them. Hey, we all have Achilles heel. We do. We do. And so have we, has it, have anybody come across the uh, Christopher Plummer Oscar yet? Yeah. Uh, uh, for beginners. Beginners. Best supporting actor. Best supporting actor. And he won that at the age of 80. Wow. Good on yeah, That was 2011. Yeah. 2011. So, good on, yeah, good on him. I think I've just ruined the age game. But, <laughs> well, to be yeah. fair, he gives himself an age in the in it as does, well, he so does. he's probably pretty bang on. So, yeah. plus, I don't, think, I don't think we've even researched an age game. I think we can just kind of go ahead and just go through on this one yeah, as a bonus. absolutely. So, uh, the film, uh, a little bit of context corner, directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh, he of uh, The Last Jedi fame or infamy depending on your uh, mm. your opinion i did not i did not like the last jedi and so ethan was saying to me the other day you know ryan johnson's the one who i went yeah i know I feel, i'm not anti ryan johnson i'm anti what ryan johnson did with star wars yeah that's all i think he's done a brilliant job with this by creating Massive something newish yeah like he's he's leaning on a legacy nothing wrong with that yeah but he had you know freedom to create this universe and i, th- I thought I thought he did a good job. Uh, cinematography by Steve Yedlin and music by... Oh, I didn't even bother to write his name down. I've got John Williams. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I love the cinematography in this. Uh, cinematography strong. Oh, strong. Very good. Very good. So, uh, after making a 2005 film, Brick, writer and director Ryan Johnson came up with the basic concept for Knives Out. And in June 2010, he expressed interest in making an Agatha Christie-inspired murder mystery film. Ah. Yeah. He told The Independent, a newspaper over here in the UK, he wanted to make the film after finishing Looper. I've never seen Looper, but I hear wonderful things about it. Wait, maybe I have seen Looper. Is Looper the one with Bruce Willis? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. So, um... But his next film project ended up being some little independent film called Star Wars, The Last Jedi. <laughs> Never heard of it. He then spent seven months apologizing, no, uh, writing the script <laughs> after finishing the press tour for Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And in doing this, he sort of leans on, we said, a tradition, a legacy of um, murder mystery films, including, uh, that's been cited, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, yeah, you saw uh, Death on the Nile, Gosford Park. No one talks about Gosford Park. You ever see that one? I have. Yeah. That was like 2000. Yeah. I, I remember I seeing saw it. that a long, long time ago. I remember seeing it. I went with a friend. He fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, all right. Was, was it like, Liam? It like wasn't me. Liam. It was like, <laughs> I, was, I was the old one, but not by much. So I would have been 21, 22, and he yeah. would have been like 19, 20, something like that. I was in Phoenix. It was a friend of mine from when I lived in Phoenix. I went back to visit. So let's go see a movie. And I chose Gosford Park because I really wanted to see it, not probably considering. I was paying. I was like, let's go see this. Yeah. And yeah, he fell asleep. And it was like, oh, no, I really enjoyed it. I'm like, you don't remember any of this. From what I remember, I enjoyed it. That's probably the best way I can put it. I can't yeah, tell you anything about I, I it besides going, it. Yeah. I have a feeling in my, in, my, in my soul that I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the title was taken from a Radiohead song. Knives Out. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Johnson's a Radiohead fan and said, obviously, the movie has nothing to do with the song. <laughs> <laughs> the turn of phrase is just always stuck in my head. It seemed like a great title for a murder mystery. He's not wrong. No. Yep. Uh, it was announced in September 2018 with Daniel Craig starring. It was sold then to distributors at the Toronto International Film Festival, where they uh, acquired their $40 million budget. Um, and so this is where everybody would sort of sign in the next couple of months people signed up to join the cast on the star power I imagine of Daniel Craig when you Daniel Craig in I really would like to know more about how Daniel Craig got got in on this 40 million and all those stars yeah that's pretty and that's low budget power of the script yeah power of the script people like Jamie Lee Curtis as well yeah I mean he's got some people on on, on the back end of their careers which we'll talk about when we sort of go, go go through 
the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, and they shot it in less than two months. Principal photography began on October 30th in Boston and wrapped on December 20th of 2018. Wow. So about 50 days of filmmaking. You know, it's for the most part, it's it's not many sets. No. No, most of it's at the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, it's still... There's no point wasting time. I think, I don't think, yeah, it's not hurt for it. Mm-hmm. They and filmed it, a lot of it, like, out of order as well. Oh, for sure. Like, you do all the house stuff, stuff, and then you, so, yeah. 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 Um, and it had its world premiere at the Toronto National Film Festival on September 7th, 2019. So the year after it got its funding by peddling it around, yeah. they then premiered it there. And then it was released theatrically on November 27th by Lionsgate, also known as mm-hmm. the Hunger Games people. <laughs> And they make a lot of crap too. So, yeah. <laughs> Lionsgate will put their put their stamp on anything. <laughs> so uh, we open up, and there's a shot of a mug, and the mug says, "My house, my rules, my coffee." Nice. And it was manufactured specifically for the film, but you can now purchase them. I mean, a probably from legitimate places, and then B, Etsy will rip any intellectual property. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no uh, trademarks are almost a thing of the past with Etsy. All oh, right. Yeah. Oh, it's and just red bubble, red, red bubble, bubble red yeah. bubble, or you know, I love them, but Funko Pop people who make their own Funko Pops, yeah, because yeah. yep. how how are you going to shut them down? Yeah, true. I've purchased from custom custom Funko Pop people before. Yeah, you just you just do it. It's just yeah, yeah. it's just you know stuff that's really well done, oh. and you go okay, it's a nice format. It's kind of if if Funko made one, I'd probably spend a lot less money on them because you yeah, know yeah that someone would have to do it from from scratch. Yeah. So I wonder if we can find a Funko Pop of Ransom. I would have wanted a Funko Pop of Ransom from this film. I'm sure they'd make them. I'd it, like a Funko Pop of us us four. Well, there we go. They that, <laughs> that, that, that could be an interesting an interesting sort of a how project. Cool, how cool would that be? Yeah, it would be cool. We have to find what our signature look was. Yeah. 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 Um, and so um, introduction to the house, and we get all these shots of this crazy house with, like, yeah, all these busy. sort of, like, props. Well, you get the idea of he's some sort of, like, a, a mad genius or a collector or well, he, well, he, crazy captain well he's like a he's like a crazy author right and he's yeah, looking, yeah. everything he sees he's trying to find inspiration yeah for these books that he sort of writes when well, he doesn't sort of write he does write them and so um i keep thinking the woman who walked up in my memory i thought the woman who walks up at the, in the morning is marta with the yeah, coffee i did as well but it's but not. it's not no. it's not marta it's what was the was it fran? fran fran yeah and uh we see um the dead body she goes shit and we get our title <laughs> card knives out and then we meet marta played by anna de armas who awesome mm-hmm. awesome job thought she was great yeah yeah i thought she was amazing i agree yeah uh, we find out it's one week later and there's a tv detective show that her sister is watching and <laughs> a like the lack of uh compassion for her oh. sister, who's just dealt with like her boss being murdered, suicide, whatever, and so she's like, "I'm watching my show." If you listen carefully to the oh, fake detective is- show, yeah, there is an appearance by episode fifty three or something. Ten things I hate about you, actor Joseph Gordon Levitt plays the cop in the fake TV drama. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, he's done five Ryan Johnson films so far. This is just him trying to get in on a small oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was watching an interview because the credits said uh, Joe Scott and Lever, and I didn't realize, I was like, where was he? And then I Googled him. And he's like, I think Ryan Johnson's like, he's my Samuel L. Jackson, like to Quentin Tarantino. So he's like in every single film. Cool. Um, and so... Um, the sister turns it off anyway and goes, that's okay. I've guessed who's done it. And that's a nice foreshadowing, I think, for what we're about to see, which is a great murder mystery and a, and a kind of a whodunit kind of plot line. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then, jeez, oh, I've got so many introductions that are going to come fast and furious because we meet all the characters so quickly. Yeah, do it. She gets a call. Can you come to the house? We need you to come to the house. The police are here. Some questions. So first we meet Meg Thromby, who's played by Catherine Langford, who some people might know from she was the main character of the protagonist in the first two seasons of 13 Reasons Why, the hit Netflix show. So um, interesting that it's about, you know, Harlan commits suicide and 13 Reasons Why is all about that protagonist committing suicide and the reasons for that. Oh, that's yeah, strange. It's an interesting thing. And she was just starting to kind of, and she's Australian. I thought she hit her accent really, really well in this. Yeah. And uh, I thought, um, I think she's just a little bit of star power. I think it's a little bit of look who we got. She's one of the last ones to join the cast. I didn't recognize her, I'll be honest. No, because she's big for that thing that's not really aimed at your demographic. Oh, okay. uh, I heard about, I was teaching at the, at the time. Well, I still am. But, you know what I mean? Like, so as someone who works in schools, you kind of hear about what the big thing is. And I'm, oh, I'm going to check this thing out. Oh, okay. And really liked it, uh, the first season. And uh, uh, She's in the new Hawkeye show. Is she in the new Hawkeye show? Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. Apparently, uh, I didn't notice. I, I was too busy making notes. But about ten minutes in, at this part, I'm just says in my notes here that Meg Thromby's shirt features a diagram of lady bits. <laughs> that sounds about right. We have yeah. a direct quote that might have been how we kept our PG-13 rating. Adds Noah Segan, who was involved in the in, in the production team. Um, yeah, the fact that no one noticed it. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I'd be very curious. I'm, I'm going to go back and take a look at that scene just to see like what are they on about. Yeah, because well, I meant to, but I was just too busy typing other things. I, I I saw it, but I weren't. But you know, and you kind of go, oh, and then you just carry on with the film. I just didn't think too much into it. Yeah, this is just this is just that opening. So she never really wears that again. And no, no, scene, no, I'm no, like, no. dang it. Um, and then we meet Linda Drysdale, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is fantastic in this film. Yeah, she is good. I thought so anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, let's play this game. Did you recognize this character, the one whose husband cheats on her? Yes. Did you know what you recognized her from? No. Okay, because we've done a film of hers on the podcast already this year. Well, last year. Okay. Late yeah, no, last I did, year. I recognized her, but I don't, I don't know what from. No one wants to buy your drugs here, Louis. Trading Places. I wasn't on Trading Places. Oh, you're not on Trading oh. Places? Oh, you might know her from no. Freaky Friday then. Yeah, Freaky Friday. No, I've not seen that either. Okay, then the other thing is you might know her from Scream because when Jamie Kennedy's like, turn around, Jamie, turn around, she's the woman who's getting killed in the horror movie when you watch Scream. She's in Halloween. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I really like Jamie Lee Curtis in I most do. things. She looks great here, and she's powerful. Very like strong. She's very much the one yeah, who, yeah. pardon the expression, not, I don't know why one person has to wear the pants in a relationship, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but she is the one who wears the pants in that relationship. Yeah. And she is the actual daughter of Harlan, as opposed to uh, Don Johnson, who we meet next. So mm-hmm. I can go ahead. And we do find out, though, that Marta wasn't invited to a, the funeral, even though they say, oh, you're like family. Oh, she's family. The cops are going, oh, you shouldn't be. She goes, no, you're part of this family. Don't let the cops tell you you shouldn't be here. They're terrible. And then we go, oh, we're sorry you couldn't come to the funeral. Mm. And went, I was outvoted. And everybody tells her, sorry, I was outvoted. <laughs> um, and so then we meet uh, Don Johnson. Uh, who plays Richard Drysdale, the husband of Linda. Um, this is one of the guys on the back end of the career. I was really surprised to see Don Johnson in something. I was surprised to see him. I'd never heard of him. Oh, he was like... Oh, he's, he's huge. Is he Miami Vice? Miami Vice, Miami Vice yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like Mr. Uh, 80s. He was like a fashion icon, too. And yeah. then he kind of fell out of favor. Because I think he was so linked to that era. I think so, yeah. And so uh, we find out Ransom's not there yet. 
uh, or wasn't at the funeral. And he goes, how you doing, kiddo? But he's not to, to Marta, but he's looking at his phone. He's not even looking at her. But he's just saying that thing you have to say. And then we begin the interrogation with title cards, which is good because this is going to be a really lot me. of information. I need title cards for every, every movie. Every movie. Well, then every we should do person. Snatch because Snatch does title cards for all the characters as you oh, meet them. I it does. Because I, it knew is. Who they, I knew who they were despite there being a lot of different people. I was like, oh, I know who that is. Okay. I couldn't remember their name, but because there was a visual to go with it, it, it stuck. There you go. So if anybody wants to hear our upcoming lineup and make custom nameplates for Georgia, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what, there were so many characters, I had the cast list up on Google, just so I could constantly go back and go, who's that character's name, what's yeah. that? So it's weird that you got it so easily, George, because I really struggle with the characters' names in this one. I think pa- it helped, I was watching it on Prime on my phone, so I could just tap the screen oh, and it would come up, up with who was that playing helps. who. Yeah. That helps. Um, and so um, I, I do need to mention this at this point. I've got Meet Lieutenant Elliot, who's played by Lakeith Stanfield. I think I got his name right. It's yeah. Lakeith or yeah, it's Lakeith. I thought he was great. He's yeah. fantastic. If um I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, he's in um Sorry to Bother You, which is on Netflix currently, and he is he's fantastic in that film. I thought he was great because he had to be the straight man that Blanc can be the odd one. Yeah. And he's not bad at his job. The sidekick is kind of that guy. Yeah. yeah. Um but I thought Lakeith Stanfield was really good as playing the good cop, the straight cop. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought he was really thing. solid. And then we begin the interrogation. And Ryan Johnson acknowledges, despite numerous edits and attempts to shave it down, the script's open interrogation sequence, complete with the flashbacks, was always a tough read. He would have people read it and adds that he never had someone return it without saying, those first 30 pages are rough. And then it kicks into gear. <laughs> but you've got to establish all these moving you pieces. Yeah. But it does, yeah. much like Snatch, actually, which is funny because of the title cards, because the first 30 minutes of Snatch are like, there's so much information. I'm never going to keep track of all these characters. And then, and then you, then you, you do. do. Yeah, you need that. But in that first act, you're like, I don't think I can retain all this. Yeah. And it's some so heavy exposition as well. Not even like, a, not a clever way, because it's mainly when Benoit Blanc comes in, it's like, oh, I read about you. You're this guy and this guy, and I'm going to say your entire history. And I, I think it works for kind of the tone it is, but it's, it, it, it is very, not lazy, but. There is some writing that's a bit rough. The interrogation scene, actually, you can use as much exposition as you want. Mm-hmm. As long as it's, I ask you a question, you tell me about your family. That lined up. The bits where it turns to Blanc, then it does get a little bit lazy. I've got a couple notes going, yeah. bit of a lazy line there, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, Ryan. What, you can't have... I'm just glad he didn't have someone pull a Mary Poppins and fly towards the window. <laughs> Harlan, after he died, flies back. <laughs> Jeez. And then uh, Linda, and she goes, oh, we love Marta. Her family's from Ecuador. And uh, <laughs> yeah. and they go, how old's, how old's uh, Harlan's mother? Well, nobody knows. No. Which is great, because there are these people on the periphery. There are... There is the... And we're going to talk about the socio-economics uh, or the social message of this film. And there is one. Uh, towards the end but you see these people who are the privileged ones in the family and then those who've been pushed towards the outside the peripherals of it yeah yeah the peripherals of it people who won't fall in line and everybody is looking for everybody's looking for their handout none of them have earned anything no exactly none of them know what it's like to work for a living with the exception of marta and unfortunately poor fran yeah but the question, and then it becomes down to, you know, what's your character like? And I'm going to have, I've got a challenge on a couple of characters who I think we're supposed to like as well. Okay. But I've got a bit of a challenge on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I got a pretty big theory. I'm just going to drop it when it comes to it. Look forward to this. It kind of has the whole theme that uh, was Inspector Cool has, where it's like, look at all these people in this rich 
the rich house the from privilege and they're all well, disregarding this one person because uh, of their privilege and the idea there's not one good one amongst them no. yeah, and we can talk maybe about which towards the end about which one of the family we actually thought wasn't that bad i've got my That's feelings the on that. There's, there's only one really uh sorry, they sorry? all try they all try and tell us in there um like introductions that they've all worked from nothing or they've all worked from the oh they've all got this like american success story oh geez money makes money and i guess that's the idea that when you have when you have the means you can rewrite your own narrative yeah yeah and they try to and it's not until they're they they don't have it anymore but they're actually exposed from this sort of message um and she talks about her father and it's a really clever line really early on we had our own secret way of communicating yeah. Oh my god, how did I don't know? Yep. And it says you had to find a game to play with it and I it with and if you played by his rules. And we see Benoit Blanc halfway through her interrogation just show up in the background and he's out of focus. And then we continue throughout the other ones. We meet Richard, of course, who's married to Linda. We meet Walt, yeah. who's the little brother. He runs the publishing house, and his son is well, a couple characters called him a Nazi. We might call him a far right conservative. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think they, they even say, was it alt, alt-right troll? Alt-right troll. Alt-right. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, keep in mind, though, you've also got a couple characters who are pretty extremely left. Yeah. Well, so they say. Yeah. So they say. It's interesting. Uh, which is actually a really interesting message in itself. And just while we're there, um, I don't know if you noticed this, because they all go through the day and what happened, and every time they show the party scene with the cake being placed in front There's of Harlan, it's like their fa- the person who's yeah. speaking, it's their family around him as they smile, so trying to represent and create that, like I said, create that narrative. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool. I did, yeah. I don't think I noticed it the first time I watched it. I think I think this time I did. And then we meet Joni Thromby, played by uh, Tony Collette, who I guess uh, is married to or was married to um, someone who died. Mm-hmm. The uh, middle child, I a think. A middle child died, who died. Yeah. And so it's her and her daughter, who we met earlier, Meg. Meg, yeah. And Joni is a free spirit. Um, I love Tony Collette. She's really, I like her performance in this. Yeah, yeah. Her it's, character It's so different. It's so different to what I'm used to Tony, Tony Collette doing because I'm used to her in horror. Oh, really? I'm used to her in yeah. things like you know, um, well, Little Miss Sunshine. Georgia, did you, did you notice her from that? I, rec- I there's another face I recognize, but couldn't have told you. She's the before. mom in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, okay. And so. Um, and it's just generally a really good um, – it's, it's this really – because this could be a really interesting criticism here. But she presents herself as severely left-wing. Mm. Oh, yeah. And says yeah. the right things at the right time and challenges and takes part in those intellectual discussions. But then when brass tacks comes down to it, mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. very much – this is my birthright. And it's not even her birthright. No, exactly. She's married into it, and she's still – Sort of on on the teat, as 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 Ransom would say. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely some kind of commentary, like on performative wokeness, where she says what she needs to, but she she still wants all that money. She still wants everything that she's sort of against when she talks about like privilege, wealth, and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's, I like the way you said that. She performative wokeness. <laughs> she, there's, there's a lot of performative wokeness out there in the world these days. Mm. Um, and so um, then we've got. Um, we find out that Meg doesn't stay for the cake. And there's something to that, I guess. If you're going to show up and you're going to... Again, that was the idea about you have to earn... You have to earn this money by putting in time. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that. She wanted to go out, she went out. 
Yeah. I'm not sure Harlan cares. She wasn't there for the cake. No. I think it's the idea that they all resent the fact they have to put in the time as well. Yeah. And as a result, anybody who doesn't show up, you, you, you haven't earned your free money. Yeah. And the idea that they're looked upon as outsiders in this family. They're not really members of the family. Because it's the it's it's the wife of the of, of the brother who's died. Yeah. She's not blood, although she has the name. And then you have Meg, who's the child, who seems to also be sort of pushed off to the side though. Yeah, she's very much in the background to start with, isn't she? She's more of a left. Tell people in the well, background Walt's wife. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you her name. She appeared on the credit scene at the end. I went, Oh right, she's in this. She, oh, wait, she beside the, him. The one who yeah. she's uh, in the Hall of Notes, isn't she? She's what? She's part of Hall and Oates, I think, that comedy band. Oh, is she the other member of Hall and Oates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one who's on like Big Bang Theory and all that. She's the other one, is she? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but really, there was nothing for her in this. Yeah. She had a couple of reaction shots and maybe a couple lines of dialogue, but I didn't get anything out of it. Which yeah, I guess you go. Say, like racist. Stuff. I don't think you needed one more. No, I don't think you needed one more. So I'll give you that. And then um, she asks, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> and Richard puts it a little bit more um, or less eloquently. He goes, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and that Richard would be Benoit Blanc. And this is where they do. I know who you are. And just reads his bio from memory. Yeah. You're the last of the gentleman sleuths. And he goes, I want to let you know I'm a private investigator. I'm not with the police. Very Poirot. Yep. And then Linda says, I just buried my 85-year-old father who just committed suicide. Why are you here? And this is where we meet Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig. You know what? We say this all the time. Not playing himself. No. Uh, not for one minute did I go, oh, he's just trying to... Like, I always had a hard time with Brosnan when he did stuff after Bond. Yeah. Like, when you do Thomas Crown, I'm like, this is just like diet Bond. I did like Thomas Crown, though. Oh, <laughs> it was really... I'm like, you're just playing kind of yeah, yeah, I know a cousin. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, this guy is Benoit Blanc. He's not James Bond. I don't for a moment get a James Bond vibe from him. No, I didn't. I didn't like it, his accent, I mean, though. the face blindness probably helps, but I was able to forget that that is Daniel Craig. I forget really... And to be fair, that's the second one we've done, because we did Dragon Tattoo too didn't we yeah he was good in that he was good so you know what i may have to give this up and go he's a he's a good actor he is <laughs> if you've yeah. ever seen logan lucky i think that's channing tatum and and uh adam driver he's fantastic in that as well like have not seen that completely unnoticeable like as daniel craig okay so you know he said he'd uh, written into the script that Blanc sp- speaks with a sub. Uh, sorry, Brian Johnson says I'd written into the script that Blanc speaks with a subtle Southern accent. And after they all finished uh, laughing, he explains that Daniel Craig researched accents and became so attached to historian Shelby Foote's cadence and drawl. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. It's a little Foghorn Leghorn, and it's also a little Harlan Pepper, which is Christopher Guest's character in a film called Best in Show, which is funny because Christopher Guest is married to a woman called. Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah, so there we go. Oh, I shouldn't know that. And so he's doing this thing with a piano where he hits notes. He hits a note when he gets bored. It's the same note. And so I when don't know whether he's bored. I think it's because there's a thing to flag up for absolutely. you to listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he's when he's sitting in the study listening to the questioning, he plays the same note. It's not random. He hits it 
And then Lieutenant Elliot always finishes after he hears that cue. He says, what time did you arrive at the house? Mm-hmm. That is the uh, cue for him okay, to go. Cue, but, but to the audience, we don't So it feels random. And he feels, I mean, Liam, you said a little bit Columbo at times. Yeah. And he does. He feels like, oh, shucks. I'm yeah. going to, oh, I, I, I guess I'm just here again. And he's always very apologetic, isn't he? Yeah. Is nice. And I like the foghorn leghorn. And they even call it out in the script as well. So that was nice. <laughs> And so originally that was supposed to be his foot hitting the chair of the of the detective. And they went into the room where they were going to shoot it and went, there's a piano? And the geography <laughs> of the room was just so perfectly laid out. They went, you can put him there. And what if he played a note? And the same like discordant, like high note on this piano. And That's it just cool. works really, really well. It does I think really it well. works better because he's so in the background that I only notice him like maybe after the second interview. And I go, oh, that's Daniel Craig. Holy shit. Or Craig, see as some people call him. <laughs> Do you call him Craig or Craig? Craig. No, you call him Craig. Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig. Oh. He's Daniel Craig. The name Craig to us is always Craig. Yeah. I know American, <gasps> Canadian, North American, it's Craig. Craig. And I, it nah, drives me up sounds the wall. weird. Craig really? Yeah. Craig would be spelled This is why we've got a transatlantic yeah. thing. So, you know, people from, from, from you know, the new world can go ahead and say... <laughs> New world <laughs> can go ahead and say, yeah, I'm, I'm with Ian. But yeah, it seems like he is English. So I probably have to yeah. Yeah, bear my head on this one. Um, and this is where uh, Don Johnson's character, oh, what was his name? Don Johnson's, uh, 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 search of an R, Richard? Richard. Richard, he makes a reference. He looks and goes, he refers to Martin. He goes, immigrants, we get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> and he thinks he's being woke. He goes, well, she's from Ecuador. And this is the second nationality we've heard yeah. so far. And it's interesting because he presents himself. He says, I saw Hamilton. And he thinks he's presented himself as progressive. Yeah. Because I saw Hamilton. But you got to keep in mind, at this point, Hamilton, to go see it was a privilege of the extremely wealthy. To go yeah. and see Hamilton would have been a massive indication of your privilege. It is the hit thing to do. Mm. So you only oh, get to see yeah. it if you have money and resources. So it's this idea, again, of like trying to appear as though you're progressive, but you're actually just flaunting your privilege. Yeah. And I it's thought it was just, it's so well done. It's the same as that one line in Get Out where it's like, oh, I would have voted for Obama three times if I could have. It probably is. Um, is it the same actor who says the line? No, but it's that same kind of thing. Okay. Of, oh, I've seen Hamilton. I, I, I get it. I understand. I understand the plight. Um, and so then we got to talk about film rights. And this is the problem with Walt. Um, Linda, because he tries to go by he, I mean, um, Foghorn Leghorn himself, Benoit Blanc. <laughs> which good name, actually, Benoit is, Blanc. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be Belgian or something it like that originally. Like Maybe. Yeah, but goes with the he's, very, he's, very, he's very Bayou. Yeah. He's, he's very Cajun. He sounds. He Blanc. sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> ben Oblock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, um, and Jamie Lee Curtis's character Linda's like, "Look, I am not dumb enough to start talking to a private investigator about." And then they and then they cut to Don Johnson's character going, "Yeah, Walt's an idiot. <laughs> He's trying to do this, but no." And he just spills all the beans. And then Walt does the same thing in reverse. Like clearly, mm-hmm. Linda's the only smart one in the family. Yeah. And um, we find out that Harlan turned down Walt's film rights requests. And he says, but these are our books. And Harlan goes, these aren't our books. They're my books. They're my books. And then he cuts them off from running the publishing house. 
and um we get a reference that we all love ransom but he's always been the black sheep of the family and we have a couple of flashbacks here one to a fight between ransom and harlan where um we get told this because of the alt-right nazi claimed they had uh son who's son of walt who's um on his phone in the bathroom is kind of where they went with it um all night uh, but he heard the fight and then we see them storm off by by great grandma and then we have a second fight which is between harlan and richard and it's you tell her or i will and we can all kind of infer i think what that's going to mean yeah he tries to claim it's about uh putting great grandma in a home yeah but um, I think we can all because he's a bad liar. And it's, it's a good performance by Don Johnson to show he's a bad liar. Absolutely, yeah, so it's, a, it's a good bad lie. Yeah, Don Johnson's good in this. Yeah, I forget how good he. His character is an absolute creep, but that's the yeah, he's supposed to exactly, be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we do have a flashback, so we get to know instantly. It's interesting. They let us know some of the flashback stuff, but not all of the flashback yeah, stuff. Uh, yeah. So we got to know everything behind the fight between. I, and I think that's clever because they gave us Harlan and ransom and we only get a little bit and we get a little bit frustrated but then instantly they go now here's something you can have and we go ha ha we know the in- no, no we just, don't just, it's just, just misdirection it's just misdirection yeah, yeah, yeah. like the real story we're like ha ha we know he's having an affair <laughs> with an asian woman we saw the photograph yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 but also i think in this respect we are constantly being aligned with marta what marta knows we know yeah. eventually yeah, yeah, yeah eventually i like how they keep throwing you that little bit of a seed of what's just going a bit on. but yeah. it's a lot of over here you're yeah, not yeah. looking don't look over yeah, to your yeah. left look at the thing on the right <laughs> absolutely and so um he holds this letter up that's like a, a warning a, a blackmail or something with an l and harlan in this thing is wearing this great pink thatched shirt did anybody else notice this i loved his shirt in this scene I didn't. I wanted this shirt. It's got a white collar. I would costuming in this film in general. There is. I wouldn't have done with the white collar. I like a solid, like if it's like a pink thatch throughout. They make the collar pink thatch, but still, that was really. And the the letter was pink, so it sort of played nicely off it. Yeah, really liked it. Cool. Yep, that's what you come here for, ladies and gentlemen. Fashion. Fashion. What's part of it? I mean, (laughs) costumes part of a film, isn't it? It is. It's just not usually something that I. I'm so story based. It's not very often I go. Oh, quite like that. Uh, and the baseball is being handled a lot it in is. this scene. And the baseball became kind of like a um, a motif. Yeah, it became, appeared in the film quite a bit, didn't yeah. it? Three different people's hands, dog's mouth. <laughs> and then we go and we see another flashback. And it's funny that we, oh, because we knew this again because Marta eventually knows this, between Harlan and Joni. And she's been double dipping. So he's been sending her checks for 100 grand a year from two different locations, once directly to the school and once directly to her. And that's it. He's going to give her one more check for $100,000. Which is a nice thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah. And then that's it. You won't get any of her money from me. And I think if someone's been stealing almost half a million dollars from you. Yeah. Fair play. Exactly. I could put you in jail. But and she's like, oh, no, there's been some mistake. No, you know if someone's yeah. dropped an extra 100 grand in your bank Absolutely. account. Absolutely. As she tries to represent this like health and beauty skincare kind of brand thing. Harlan seems the only decent person in it. Yes, and I'm not, and this is part of my my, my 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 deep cut later. I've got I've got I've got a theory here. Oh, okay, yeah, and so Richard then breaks into uh, Harlan's office, and he opens the letter. There's nothing in it. I'm going to call a little bit of stupidity on him for not just binning it. And I call a little bit of stupidity because my brain went. There's something written on that. Yeah, it's a bit it's a hidden message. Well, I guess the theory's supposed to be that he was bluffing. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't get it. It's that. a bluff. Yeah. My mind you tell elsewhere. her or this will yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think the minute you know it's a murder mystery, all of a sudden you start looking for things. You do, but she also said, you know, we play, we play games. Yeah, did you pick up on that? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. I got there. That I think I was like Ethan the first time. I think I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Okay. But I, again, if I hadn't thought this was a murder mystery, then I probably wouldn't have been thinking along them lines. But yeah. Because I See, was. My first thought was seeing the rose. I was like, oh, that's some kind of specific meaning for, for one <laughs> of them. And that's why he's so concerned. And then later I'm like, oh, no, that's completely wrong. <laughs> so then he uh, throws the baseball out the window. And this is where the baseball starts making its way through various places in the store. A very lame the throw, you said. transition ever. Um, about the same time, Benoit Blanc states the game is afoot, which is the old Sherlock Holmes reference, meaning the search continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball then passes from character to character to sort of represent, I think, the games in play. Yeah. You know, and eventually like when it makes its way back. It was a nice, it was, every time the ball came back, you're like, oh, it's baseball. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, and then Marta stares at the painting before it's her turn. And every shot of a painting was done in post. They were staring at something else. And the painting was done it, it, with, with CGI because the paintings weren't finished yet. Oh, okay. So, I wouldn't have even realized. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was like, wow. Yeah. And then Marta meets Blanc, and as soon as he goes up and sees her, he's smoking a cigar, and he looks down like he's just, like, twiddling the ash. But actually, as we find out, he's staring at, in the very first shot, he's staring at her shoes. Yeah. In plain sight, we see it, but we assume he's doing the ash. Yeah. But he's actually looking. I didn't looking. pick up on that until later on. And part of that whole Columbo smarter than he looks kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we find out she was hired to be a nurse and hired to be a friend. Uh, and Blanc figures out Marta knows a lot about the family, and we find out that if Marta lies, she pukes. Which, like, I would have exploited this so much if I was the family in any capacity. You would, wouldn't you? Have you ever slept with her father? No. <laughs> All right, she's good. <laughs> yeah. Did you kill her? Like, like sit her in a, just do what, just, it's, it boggles my mind that Ransom's the first one to think of this. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Um, They're not that smart, to be fair. Oh, but apparently, it was, uh, there's another lazy line that comes up. Maybe they didn't know, but I'm still like, ah. They're so know. involved in their own selves. Um, to be fair, how often were they around? Yeah, true. So we see them all like they lived there, but none of them lived there and probably only came around for Fourth of July, Christmas, things like that. Yeah. So um, we find out that she knows that Richard was having an affair because she tries to cover and she pukes. Uh, we find out that Blanc's already figured out Joni's been cut off and Walt was being fired. And then she leaves and he goes to the other detective. Someone dodged a question. Mm-hmm. And they go, who? He goes, me. me. <laughs> I was asked who hired me and I don't know. And you got the focus. Don't have a clue. And so we do a flashback to the party. Uh, Harlan's in his office. Oh, this is after the party, sorry. So here's the the, the, the way that this sort of night prevails. Harlan's in his office upstairs, but the stairs squeak. Mm-hmm. So if you go up there, you're going to be heard because Linda's a light sleeper and will always wake up. There's a thunk. Joni goes to investigate. That wakes Linda as she goes up the stairs. Harlan tells her to go back to sleep and says they just knocked over their board game board. Uh, Marta then leaves. Walt checks his watch and it's midnight. So without question, everybody sees her leave at midnight. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes later, Harlan comes down and gets a snack. And we know this because Walt says, go back to bed, dad. So yeah. he's seen Marta leave and he's seen Harlan get a snack. Uh, at 1230, Meg came home and then Walt and the Nazi um, go to sleep. <laughs> Well, and the Nazi is like a great way to describe early Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Meg wakes up because the dogs are barking outside. And that's the storyline as we have it. No one else went upstairs. And if they did, Linda would have heard it. Yeah. So the question is, how does it it seems like it's an open and shut case? It has to be suicide. Mm. And so um, 
Then we find out that Harlan died on his 85th birthday, which is interesting because Agatha Christie also died at the age of 85. So I think there might be a, oh, okay. a thing to that. And so then we get the real flashback and we get to find out what happened. And they're going to play Go. And he plays to win, but she plays, she claims to make a beautiful picture. Now, whether you believe that or not is a different story. But there's a lovely dynamic between the two of them where he, she doesn't treat him like some guy with all the money because she wants nothing from him. She nope. really just being his friend. So she's just trash talking him. Yeah, yeah. And even makes the whole, you, you want some of the good stuff tonight? Yeah, you, <laughs> you want to do drugs? And just like, yeah, I want to do drugs. And it was, how, long, how, how come it took me this long to take drugs? <laughs> yeah. He said, didn't he? <laughs> and he's so happy he cut them off. And she went, I know you really weren't looking forward to it. And it's a really sweet moment here. And this is where Harlan goes on a bit of a speech about Ransom. Where mm. going, this is kind of convenient for the movie. But he says, I see so much of me in that kid. He's stupid and adventurous and this and that. But, you know, you can't even tell the difference between a stage prop and a real knife, which felt like a little signposted. Yeah. <laughs> as he actually holds a knife and puts it in the table. I'm like, I've seen the big chair of knives at this point. So the first time I watched it, I went, okay, that, that chair of knives is coming into play at the end and they're going to be props. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the film is called Knives Out, I was like, there's definitely something to do with that chair. Although I'd forgotten about that by the time we got to the end of the film. Well, we haven't so. shared. I mean, this is kind of like, you know, I'd be really hard to argue it's not Game of Thrones inspired. It is very Game of Thrones. It is very, very Iron Throne-y. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah it, rather than point outwards, they kind of point inward. Yeah, it's a really cool set piece. I'll give it you is. that. I liked it. And it's, Visually, it's a great really, as well for the like, interviews. Like, out of all the chairs to go, where should we have them sit? To go, let's have them sit in that really messed up chair over there. Let's do that <laughs> one. With the knives pointing at Especially head. when the dad's just slit his own throat. That is the emotionally sensitive place to have them sit. <laughs> Was it me, or did anybody else notice that the first interviews were slightly off to the knives, and then the rest of the interviews were in the middle of the knives? Yeah, toward as the movie as the movie yeah, yeah, went yeah. on, and I got a theory on that. Oh, okay. Um, and she wants to give him some morphine, but then realizes she's giving him the wrong stuff. And he goes, "Well, well how much?" And he goes, "I'm giving you a hundred milligrams of morphine." He goes, well, "How much supposed to give me?" He goes, three milligrams." He goes, "That's much less." <laughs> <laughs> He's very calm in this. But he goes, if someone switched the meds, and he makes sure he says this out loud, because he says it now as, I'm going to plan this for a future story, yeah. which then lets him ask the questions, which we need to know as the audience for the exposition. Exactly. This is yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is well done. And so he goes, I'll be dead in 10 minutes. And she doesn't have the antidote. It's supposed to be there. She doesn't have it. She goes to call the ambulance, but he cuts the phone off. And she stumbles and falls, which is what he later blames as being the board game being knocked over. And I thought when the board got knocked over, because he was taking losing badly, yeah. I'm like, it didn't make that big of a sound. <laughs> and then I went, oh, yeah, right. So um, <laughs> he goes, we've got to get you out of this. Think of your mom. She's undocumented. And I'm like, this is lazy writing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just think of your mom. They're going to send her back or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. she'll get in trouble. You know, you wouldn't say to someone because you both know. I'm teaching my students right now about writing good dialogue. That lo- It's a very well done script. That was one of the ones I went, oh, there's got to be a better way. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, look, if you're about to die and you know you're going to die and you're 85, is that really what the last thing you're thinking of? I don't know. I, I, I well, he clearly cares for her a lot and mm. wants and wants that because he's already changed his will at this point, hasn't he? He wants to be able to yep. give. But he his seems really calm to her, so he's doing what needs to be done. Mm. So he reveals his plan, and it's go downstairs and be as noisy as possible and call attention to the time. So at this point, <laughs> by lazy writing, oh, it's midnight. Yeah. That makes sense because she's almost, trying to yeah. establish that everyone has heard her say it's midnight. Absolutely. 
um, then pull off to the road to avoid the security cameras, be after four, the carved elephant. And that was kind of fun. They did a little bit of things here where his voiceover would change or would be punchlines for things. Yeah. That was, that was a cute little dynamic, actually. It was. Uh, take the side path. The dogs won't bark because they, because they know you. And uh, so uh, get on up to the third floor and some great, she's like, You've got to be kidding me. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I love that line. Um, and then get my robe and cap. And we need to make this thing so airtight. The average cop won't figure it out. I do challenge the word average. Yeah. We need to be so airtight. The police won't ever figure it out. Why would you say average? We say that because Benoit Blanc is above average. He is. But he had no idea that he was going to be involved. Yeah. I, I think the wording there was just a, I think it's better for the removal of that one word. And what was she going to do when she get down the stairs? And if um, Walt hadn't have said anything, was she carrying on around the house, or would she have just? Got I think down? she'd just stay there until someone mentions it. Yeah, but you—it's it it's really, it's, it's really lucky that no one else, that no one else, like comes downstairs for a snack, or he doesn't finish his cigarette a little bit early. I know, right? Yeah. Um. But um. And he goes, "Leave the way you came, and don't be seen." And uh, she comes back down the trellis again, and we get, Ransom, are you back again already? <laughs> By great-grandmother. And he goes, well, what happens if I have to lie? He goes, well, don't lie. Tell fragments of the truth in this exact order. And I'm like, is that really how this works? Mm. Like, it's the semantic game of why I didn't technically lie. Like, you didn't answer the question in truthful. Like, what are the rules to this? Yeah. It's the Pinocchio thing, that if he says, like, we did not 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 find the not thing if yeah. we didn't not know. Well, I mean, there's also the bits where, like, sometimes her gag reflex, the first time it's within seconds. It's then other violent. times it's within, like, minutes. Mm. I'm like, this feels very, what does the plot need the reaction time to be? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's Depends a Depends on the severity of the lie. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And so she's thanked, and off she goes, and she pukes into a toilet, like, five minutes later. Um, and then um, Linda just has a comment and goes, I'm waiting for the big reveal. Because <laughs> she talks about, she's looking at these letters she's had from her dad. With that, yeah. If you're paying attention, it's that same sort of ink. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I used to love dad and his games. Yeah. And then there's a thing, they keep making references to this fictitious movie starring Danica McKellar. Um, it was a Hallmark movie. Um, McKellar was not asked if her name could be used. But she was delighted uh, that it was included and shared her love for this film on Instagram. She later sent director Ryan Johnson a knife with the words Deadly by Surprise, which was the name of the fi- of the fake movie, yeah. engraved on it. So, good on her. Danica, is that the Wonder Years girl? Mm, I don't... Is that da- Danica McKellar? I don't think it's Danica McKellar. It's Danica uh, something. Dan- yeah, that's the only Danica I know. Yeah. Okay. And then we, we clearly have a conversation about Donald Trump occurring, but they're really careful yeah, not to say Donald Trump. <laughs> that's oh, the kids Very in clever. cages. Thing. We get the idea about red hats and kids in cages mm. and Hitler illusions. And um, they go, where's Marta? Is she still here? And he, Don Johnson, Ro- Roger? Is that his name? Richard. 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 I always forget his name. Richard <laughs> calls her in because he's going to prove his point. He goes, come on, your family's from Uruguay, but you did it right. <laughs> and he then hands her a plate. And she takes it. And she takes it. Yeah. And it was Don Johnson's idea for his character to hand his empty plate to Marta as if she were the maid. Although it's clear Marta's a child of a South American immigrant, the Thromby's basic indifference towards her is evident. The fact that throughout the movie, she's referred to as being from Ecuador, Uruguay, Paraguay, or Brazil. Brazil, yeah. Her mother's actual native country is never confirmed. Nope. I just got to show none of them actually knew her. 
No, they say things. They say the right thing. Yeah, You're yeah. family to us, but she's not. No. She's not. She's not even close to it. No, they ain't got clue. It's just lip service. You're, you're family like, until money's involved. Yeah. Even, There's like two or three people like, oh, well, I, I go out voting. Yeah, it's that line. Come to the funeral. Yeah. And um, they're blazing one by the blazing fire. Uh, just before this, we do see the part. This is the part of the night where... Um, well, we have a, a flashback to Hart um, Ransom storming out of the house. But they smoke pot by the fire. Uh, this is the Fran, Marta, and Meg. Meg, yeah. And she goes, well, who'd think to open a clock? And I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's going to be important later. And the family wants you to take care of Marta. So the family wants to take care of Marta. And she goes, and Walt goes again, yeah, uh, I, uh, I thought you should have been at the funeral, but I was outvoted. So who, who's the voting block here? Who's the one? Yeah, exactly. No one's going up to her and going, sorry, I just didn't want you there. Yeah. They might as well just said it. And then uh, Blanc has a scene with Marta, and he basically just makes her a deputy. Mm-hmm. I want you to hang out with me. Yeah, my Watson. Which, if you think about the guilt she's carrying with her, like, this is her nightmare. But for him, that's great. He, he knows that, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's why. But we don't know. <clears throat> Well, we don't know nobody knows. I think we're still kind of playing the whodunit game, kind of. Because the problem, and this is kind of a little bit of an interesting thing, I kind of went into Knives Out going, oh, I love a whodunit. And then they go ahead and go, well, it's not really a whodunit after all. Because yeah. we know who, we know who did it. Now, that's, that's whether the it is or not. Clumbo shows you. Yeah, and, and then, then sort of shows you which, why it's not that way. Yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of wanted the good old-fashioned, I want to guess who did it. Yeah. And this film <clears> kind of goes down a very different direction right about, well, by the time you find out what actually happened. Yeah. See, as, was, as Marta thinks. I thought that, but then I was going, there's got to be something going on with the drugs bag. Oh, there ha- because, yeah. So I was, so that was, for me, was the whodunit. It was what happened there. Right. I, I, I hear, I, I just, yeah, I, I guess I just like it when... It was a mixture, wasn't it? Because it's, it's misdirection, again. It's yeah. Marta. Oh, wait, no, it's, no, it's, it's not Marta. And I wanted the idea of here's like six or seven possible people, and at the end you find out which one did it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I want. Um, I didn't dislike this, but I'm like, that's what I really like in a, in a, in a murder mystery. You like your Poirot setting? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's all the people who could have killed her. Which one is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, then we get the flashback of Harlan slitting his throat. And she saw it, and we hear it. Mm. He goes, that was horrible. Here's my thought. If you're him, you know what the deal's going to be. Hold the knife to your throat, but don't pull the knife across until you start to feel the slightest bit different in any capacity. Because mm. by that point, yep. you're at least five minutes in, by which point we're told that like he'd be feeling be. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like This just feels like... It's like Romeo. I'm teaching Romeo and Juliet right now. If Romeo waits like two seconds at any point, like everything ends up differently. Exactly. Yep. Like just chill. Yeah. yeah. Just chill. Uh, or if she has the stomach for it, say, I guess she can't be assisted suicide. I'm like, you go ahead and, you know, drag <laughs> my hand across. But I'm just like, you know, I'd probably wait till I felt, felt something. I personally would, but, you know. Yeah. Because by the time that she's now gone driven off come back upstairs gone downstairs gone back up that's at least eight minutes oh but this like part be- this yeah but this part's before she does all that oh oh because she goes it, back it, oh she goes back he's dead it. no he's dead by this point yeah sure he's dead by the point that she comes back in the car mm-hmm. this oh, is oh. her he pushes her out the door she goes oh no turns around almost instantly goes back in the room and he's slitting his, his throat yeah because oh, oh. yeah. otherwise she she would know it's been more than 10 minutes. Something's, yeah. oh yeah. no, what have I done? I've actually given him false medical advice that led to his death. <laughs> Which he kind of does. 
but she tries to she tries to get help for him if if he'd let her. That's true. If he just let her call the ambulance, yeah, yeah. Uh, originally, um, Ryan Johnson said he wanted the PG thirteen, so we had to remove some things from the script, and one of them was a very expressive expressionist red splash towards the audience. When he slits his throat, he wanted the paint uh, the the uh, the blood to come at you. That would have made sense, and that would have made sense with the, with with the, the blood dr- on the yeah. Because she's so far away, you're like exactly BS that that landed on her foot. Yeah, that that have been. I'm not. I don't like grotesque Does things, even, but that would have made sense. That would have made sense because I'm like yeah, he was yeah. all the way over there. How did just one speck of blood exactly? And he has a line about the blood spray as well. Yeah, and, and, and there's no blood anywhere else that we see in the morning. No. In the morning, when we get that first shot, when she opens the door, it's just a nice stream from his neck down. We don't see blood anywhere else in that <laughs> shot. <laughs> no. But there's one drop. It's like it's like a magic bullet that just somehow one little bit flies out. It just goes bloop on like the ring for her lace to go in that's funny yeah and uh, also just the idea that she'd wear the same white shoes every day when it's muddy yeah i've worn the same boots for the last five years well, can we see her walking like heavy mud and at no point does the mud like get on her shoe no she's wearing white canvas shoes the whole time and she walks through a load of mud um, at one point and gets in the thing on, on the carpet, and that's all dry. Yeah. That's weird. Out, out, damn spot. Um, <laughs> and then we meet the uh, handyman. We do. Uh, M- Played play by M. Emmett Walsh. Yeah. Who replaced the original guy called Ricky J, who died during production oh. on oh. November 24th, 2018. So, like, it only ran for, like, another, like, three weeks, but I guess wow. they must have got, like, one day of a two-day shootout of him or something. Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah. So a black and white photo of him is visible for a few seconds before uh, Walsh first appears on camera but uh, of, of the original guy, but that's about it. Uh, but tape is usually magnetically erased, we find out, and Marta makes this ejection, and like this machine's like smoking. Like it, it should not be allowed. Like, that's like a real safety fault. Yep. Um, I don't know why it's not digital in today's day and age, but he's got this old, I guess he's got an old... I guess he's an old guy, so he's got it's Harlan's old. He's got his old like groundskeeper guy. It has to be just for that one piece of like spiel. It has to be the idea that if you you can destroy the one tape and you've got it, yeah, yeah. Maybe. So they let Marta hang on to the tape for a bit. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I got it, and they're like, Oh, okay, because you're like Deputy Blanc. <laughs> I'm not even sure Blanc should be allowed to hold the evidence. Like you can walk around and do stuff, but the police would have chain of evidence, wouldn't they? I uh, yeah, but again, movie's got movie, hasn't it? And so she's got this fridge magnet, which she just sort of throws on it, and luckily, it just kind of erases it. But the 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 other copper does take it off her eventually. The deputy goes, the oh, deputy, "I'll take yeah, that." Yeah, and so she hands it over, good. but she's convinced she's done the job. <laughs> and you know what? Doesn't matter because we never hear about this tape again. Nope. <laughs> no, we do. We do hear that it is scrambled. Oh, do we? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They um when they make the point of the the camera security cameras in the um at the constabulary place uh, fried. They he mentions then that the footage from the house is also all scrambled. Okay. Oh, okay. And then we're headed back for the will reading, and we meet Ransom, played by Captain America. That's America's ass himself, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah. Uh, in like the, America's asshole right now. In the, in the commentary, uh, Ryan Johnson described him uh, when the, his entrance when the barking dogs surround him at the will reading as some of the best acting he's ever seen because dogs love Chris Evans and Chris <laughs> Evans loves dogs. Aww. So the idea that apparently it was difficult to get them to bark at him and for him to act like he didn't like the dogs being around him. <laughs> I still can't believe he named this dog after what was it, um, the lead in Oscar and Company, Oliver and Company. Okay. 
Uh, Ryan Johnson mentioned to costume designer Jenny Egan that he thought Ransom would have beautiful, expensive clothes that he didn't take care of. And so the costume designer ran with this, wearing holes into the sleeves of his now iconic sweaters and even distressing the heels and the loafers he wears throughout the movie. Um, so uh, Ransom is eating Biscoffs. He is. Which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to get Biscoffs in, in, I believe, in North America. How is it? But it looked like they certainly paid some money for that product placement. Just a bit. Oh, it was like a giant, like, <laughs> huge. The only thing I'm eating biscuits. <laughs> um, and so uh, he skipped the funeral, but he's here for the will reading, uh, which was an interesting. You just think he's kind of being a, a jerk by mm-hmm. missing the funeral. Then you find out there's a storyline reason for it. And there's a fight between Walt and Richard where they're both playing like who's the sadder human being. And Ransom just laughs and goes, we got to do this more often as he eats his biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so then we get to um, a fight where he goes, Don Johnson goes, son. And he goes, father. father. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Have you really been so written out of the will? He goes, yeah, I have. He said I was. He goes, well, maybe this will make you finally grow up. And then, of course, then the left wing's got to go. Joni's got to go like, yeah, but it'll be good for you because nothing good for you is ever easy. Yeah. And then we get to, I think, maybe people's favorite part of the film, which is the eat shit. <laughs> so originally, it was supposed to be fuck you, but they removed it because they couldn't get a PG-13 rating in the States. If you have more than one F-bomb, you get an R rating. Oh, okay. So you couldn't do the scene. So like, what do we do? And so it was Chris Evans who came up with eat shit. <laughs> That's good. And you got to think after years of playing Captain America, this is him just throwing off every. the shackles <laughs> and doing, I'm going to be the asshole in this. And I'm going to love every moment of it. And I bet he did love it. Ryan Johnson though, said that Michael Shannon, who played uh, Walt was Walt. the funniest person on set and came up with a lot of his own characters, funny lines, including his retort. I am not eating one iota of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was from, um, Pearl Harbor, wasn't he? I don't know him from anything. Yeah, he was in Pearl Harbor. Okay, he was Zod in Man of Steel. Haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. That's Don. quite. That's quite the the, the counterbalance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the aftermath: a dog brings some broken trellis, and Blanc throws the baseball for the dog, and they discover the trick window, and so we get the game is afoot. Uh, we go back to the will reading, and there's a lawyer reading the will. It's Frank Goss. How did you yeah. know this? <laughs> you you tapped your screen and found this, didn't I did, you? I didn't know I recognise the voice, though. Shut up, really? Yeah. I just know Frank Rose's So you face. get actors who look identical in two films, and you're like, I, I, well, I've seen this person are, before. Yeah, no. But Frank Oz, who, you know, we watched, you didn't see Trading Places, but we watched that 30-year you know, yeah, yeah. gap. I couldn't have told you it was Frank Oz. I couldn't either. <laughs> I've hadn't done the research. I would have had no clue it was nope. Frank Oz. But you recognise the voice, Georgia. I did, yeah. Wow. I think I recognize Frank Oz's voice from the Muppet stuff and uh, not from... Yeah, that would make sense. Places. That would make sense. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like a, oh, I know who that is, it's Frank Oz. Is it because he sounded like Miss Piggy as he was reading the will? Or? <laughs> no, it was just I recognize the tone of voice. I don't know what it was. Okay. And I kind of recognized his face from seeing like Muppet behind the scenes stuff. That, that was about it. So we find out that Marta's going to get everything and everyone's mad except for Ransom who's laughing at this and leaves. And they go, this is still our house. And then they all look to Frank Oz and he goes, oh, I forgot to mention something. Uh, yeah, the, the house will also go to Marta Cabrera. <laughs> and this is where we get uh, you little bitch. Were you boinking my father? 
<laughs> which is the second best line that He's happens right now. Also in this scene, don't they call him like a muppet or an idiot or something? Uh, the lawyer. I think they call him a muppet. Isn't, yeah, but a Muppet. He, Do they call him a Muppet? I don't think they call him a Muppet. I, it's something I think like, I probably would have twigged to it's that. It's something yeah. like that. Okay. They call him a buffoon or an idiot or something. Well, yeah, but those are different from Muppet. No, 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 but that's what I'm making me think. Okay. Now, oh, did they say Sesame Muppet? Oh, Sesame Street. Yeah, I don't, think they, I don't think they just had to say Muppet, because I think I would have definitely written that line down from oh, my, from my okay. notes. Um, and this is where Jacob's line, the, the, the Nazi, you had sex with my grandpa, you dirty anchor baby, God. was improvised was by, vile. was improvised by that actor. Really? And it was originally lost in the scene, but Michael Shannon noticed this and approached Ryan Johnson and said, this kid's got a killer line. Go back and make sure you get it. Oh, cool. And props to, I'm becoming a fan of Michael Shannon as we go along. Yeah, he is. Uh, and they leave the house. I don't know what they did with the cinematography. It's different. It's handheld. I think it's a little bit fish-eyed. Oh, I quite to like show it. her overwhelmed and everyone surrounding her, yeah. the chaos. It's it's different. It's either being filmed at a different frame rate or there's a fisheye combination. It's definitely handheld and there's a lot more, almost like 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 a reality show when someone's coming out of, or like, you know, we're here to, someone's just been out of the courtroom and we're running up. But it, I was it, it was, like a live journalism type Bit but I'm sure yeah, Valenza's different. Cool. Camera was brilliant in this it. film. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like it because it's that thing of the second it all goes to like pure crazy hecticness, that's then when it starts to, to come off the tripod and then like get as crazy as well. And it, it doesn't last too long though, because once you get in the car, we're kind of back into our steady yeah, yeah. thing but that's again. That's good. That's a good. It is good, good. Good measure of it. And so she can't start the car. Ransom pulls up, says, "Get in." She gets in, avoids the family. Off they go, and they eat beans and sausages while Chris Evans is wearing a white sweater. And so he got his dog, Dodger, as Ethan had just mentioned, a sweater that looks just like the one he wore in the film. Nice. This, this white sweater became part of the public discussion for a while. <laughs> and so um, there's an extra bowl right in the foreground. We don't it, know yeah, why just, it's there. Yeah, And you even hear him say, up. can I have an extra bowl? He and does, we're like, what's yeah. this for? <laughs> and he says, uh, I was mad enough to kill him, but it gave me this clarity. And it felt good to have the clarity. So I didn't mind being cut off. But he says, I know three things. Number one, I know he didn't commit suicide. Number two, I know lying makes you puke because the mafia game last 4th of July. I'm like, uh, ah, yeah, a bit lazy. Yeah, yeah. And then I know you're just eating a full plate of baked beans and sausage. <laughs> She's going like clam chowder or something like that. You're in the Northeast, for crying out loud. He goes, tell me everything. And meanwhile, the family is rebelling and they want Marta to renounce her inheritance. And Meg stands up for her until Joni goes... I don't have any money to pay your tuition. That's BS because she was given one more payment of a hundred grand. She was. So I got yep. severe issues with Joni in this Absolutely. film. Absolutely. Uh, and then post beans, uh, we go back to and so he she's told the whole story and says and you know ransom thing is I thought I was the only one who could beat him at go. <laughs> and um, Harlan told him that Marta beats him more than he does. And ransom says I'll help you, but I got to get my cut. And she seems to be okay with that. See again an ulterior motive. I mean, this is back to me and my theory. So this is to me. The minute they went off to the side, just the two of them, I went. It, it, I was going. This is where I figure out. Oh, it's him. Yeah, it's him. Because I have this rule, and I'll throw it out here. Um, if you ever see someone who's cast in far, he's far too big a star for the role he's got in the movie. Yeah, and not because he gets big later on, but at yeah. that time in his career. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. sorry, he's going to be the villain. Yeah, absolutely. It happens every time. It does, especially because we know him as like this 
bright eyed, nice kind I mean, of character yeah. and everything. Look at you and McGregor in uh, Angels and Demons. Look at there's a bunch of other things. I don't want to spoil every movie out there. Yeah, but you know that's my job. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers going to spoil. <laughs> But uh, Ethan the spoiler. The spoiler. There you go. That's a nice little, origin. There we go. <laughs> and so but it is it is that thing. And so I was going, okay. Um but Marta uh, there's a phone call from Meg and she says I'm really sorry if I did that to you. What are you gonna do with the money? Exactly. As soon as she go, did that, I knew there was something up. Well what do you think I should do? I think you should do what your heart desires, but yeah, I'd give it back. I'd give it back. <laughs> and she goes, I have no money for, for school. And um, Marta then promises to put Meg through school. And then, she, like, Meg just hangs up the phone. Yeah. She, she's she got... And I, see, I think, the, I think the film wants me to forgive Meg. I don't. Oh, I don't forgive Meg either. Because I think she only hangs up when she goes, I'm fine. Click. Yeah. Yeah. I got mine. Yeah, it's same. I end up disliking Meg the most by the end of it because I'm like, oh no, this whole thing's a facade. And again, like what I said with, I think it's Journey about the yeah. of wokeness. It's just... She wants to seem good, but not put in the effort to do. Tell you what, a beautiful piece of cinematography is to do a hundred and eighty degree pan to the other side, and the whole family, and they're really careful to always put Jamie Lee Curtis in the foreground. Yeah, she's always in the foreground. But I I foresaw that anyway. She's wearing pink in large parts of this, and we had that glorious pink shirt her her father wore. I'm picking it up. Mm-hmm. I'm picking it up. Mm-hmm. We find out it's the next morning and a really good smash cut, a really good smash cut. Cause we're the next morning. We're like, what happened? And we're disoriented just like she is. She's got 28 missed calls and her iPhone has a, cr- like the, the screen is like super cracked. I'm it like, is, yeah. that would make sense. That she wouldn't would be make- able to afford to, yeah. to give it, not even going to Harlan going, can you give me a hundred bucks so I can fix my screen? Like she wouldn't do that. There was, she was never after as not for a mm-hmm. moment. Nope. And so, um, this is where, uh, this press on the lawn and the sister goes are we rich and she says this more than once and i'm going families aren't that different no nope. this isn't about this isn't about rich and poor necessarily it's not even about white and other cultures no nope. this is the idea that the money's not hers but the sister instantly goes are we rich she's doing yeah. the same thing yep. that every other character in the thromby household is doing yep. you've got money therefore i now have money yep and, and assuming the like i don't want this yeah so- so the mom's okay, Marta's yeah. okay, the sister is just like the thrombies. Yeah, I don't like it. And so the idea is, again, did she earn this? Did she work for this? No, you no. can argue Marta did, because she didn't know it was coming her way, so good on her. But the sister is just as guilty. The only difference is, who has the money? Mm-hmm. Her sister's like a good example of like that American value raising, where like she's always so selfish, because she's focused on herself and her first scene about the murder movie she's watching, yeah. and then even it's like... Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I this was good because it wasn't this this overly lazy, simplistic. You know, all white people are bad. All non-white people are great. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need to have nuance within both. So you see it with Benoit Blanc. You do, and then you see it with uh, Marta and her 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 mom, but not her sister. And I'm like, this is cool. I mm-hmm. like this because the assumption we're rich. Yeah, watch your pronoun. Yeah, no, you're rich. <laughs> she should have gone. She should have pulled a Harlan and go. No, no, it's not our money. It's my money. Yeah, yeah, that, ooh. <laughs> that would have been good. That's not her character. That's that's not. But she grows into it near the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then on. Even more than that. Um, 
Oh, my bad. So then we go to Benoit and uh, and Grandma, Great Grandma, and he goes, "I think I'm the first to offer you condolences." This is a nice little scene. I, there's something you want to tell me, and he's just acting, but like she's not giving him anything to play off. Nope. Of. I'll happily wait. I'm in no rush. I find it quite pleasant sitting here with you, which you have to imagine no one's no done one, with her no and all spent that. time with her anything. And um, I think for what she is, which is basically a plot point, mm-hmm. I still thought it was done well. Um, this- My only gripe about her is when she says she calls um, Marta uh, Ransom. Ransom. We get yeah. I don't know what the deal with that is. She she noticed Ransom. It, are totally her, different. Are her eyes a bit shot? I don't know. Yeah, but even, I think even it's the just height a, and everything. Have that later on. We yeah. don't realize that it's because Ransom was already. Yeah, there. but the, the question is, how does she? Mis- she's obviously lucid enough to get that point. So yeah. how does she mistake the two? Exactly. Of them? They don't look anything alike. Their clothes, their clothes don't look anything alike. That's the question. If she's lucid enough to tell him this, then she can't be not lucid enough to mistake the two of them for each other. Exactly. I'll agree with you. This is the weak point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, Grandma, uh, played by Kay Callen, is actually six years and twenty-seven days younger than Christopher Plummer. Wow! (laughs) Just a little fun thing. I hate to say this, but she don't look it. Well, they, they, they do like you know make her look like a little old lady. Yeah, and they make Plumber look. Well, Plumber looks eighty five. They say he's eighty five, right? So it's not. Like, he, he looked a young eighty five to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he, he looks pretty good for eighty five. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. And so Walt in the corridor, and um, she goes to leave and runs into Walt, and like Walt's not the guy you send as the heavy. No, <laughs> Jamie Lee. Cur- but I think you needed a scene for him. I think Jamie Lee Curtis had had her scene. You needed something here. Yeah. And he threatens to turn in the mother and goes, with our resources, we could help you find the right lawyers. And she goes, well, your resources are now my resources. Mm-hmm. So I can probably find the right lawyer. Thank you very much. Opens a letter. It says, I know what you did last summer. No, yeah, I know was, what you did. That's what was through my head. <laughs> uh, Ransom then suggests, because she goes to him and says, this means the morphine is going to show up in the toxicology report. They drive to the medical examiner and the building has blown up. Uh, Ransom says they got to find the original copy of the talks report so you can be in the clear. Blanc sees them because he's at the scene as well, and yeah. they floor it in the world's worst car chase. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Blanc, funny, I love that because he's tapping on the window and trying to get to roll it down like while he's trying to and, call her. And to call her, and so she refuses dorky. to answer the phone because she's a good citizen. You don't answer the phone. <laughs> no, you got to exactly. follow the law. And so... Um, they they say don't don't use any force in this car chase. It's a possible murder suspect. And the question is, is he talking about her, or is he talking about ransom? Ransom, because yeah. we all think he's talking about her. But I think he's had it tweaked from minute one. It's not her at all. And so he makes this. He's not lying. No, but it's the yeah. other person he's talking about. Clever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that wasn't any re- that was that was just all off fresh out of my brain, all yeah. that one. Uh, and this is where the uh, lieutenant says that was the dumbest car chase of all time. And uh, Grandma has told Benoit that Ransom has come back, mm-hmm. and so that's why we need to take him. And we get the idea about it being a donut problem. There's a donut, and there's a hole in the middle, and we gotta fill this. this I didn't hole. understand this. Well, metaphor. donuts got a hole. Yeah, I know that. So we know all the information except for the most important point. And once we know that, everything else will make sense. So we have to fill in this middle part. That's the but important part. You said part. a donut within a donut. That comes later. Oh, okay. I'll explain it. Okay, good. Okay. So uh, then we go to a laundromat, which is part of the, the, the blackmail. So go to this laundromat. Oh, she gets there Whoa. and we see someone and, and Marta's trying to act all tough. And then we find out it's actually Fran. Fran. Uh, 
we assume dead because there's a spider crawling Why on her face. Why do you have to have a spider crawling on her face? So that we assume she's dead. Oh, but if she just been there, no, because if she just, just been there like that, we'd have gone. Maybe she's asleep because you need you need, you, need, you need the jump scare. Ethan's entirely right. They're setting us up. So when she goes, we go, oh, oh, I didn't like. It's it. not quite seven, but uh, it's you know. Um, and credit, so credit to her. We, we find there's morphine, and there's uh, she says something about a stash, and she goes, "You did this. Um, <sighs> you won't get away with this." Um, and Marta could leave here, and the idea is, no, I'm not going to leave. Even though there's morphine, even though it's obviously linked to me and tie me to everything, I'm still going to do CPR. And call 911. Mar- yeah, and call 911 because Marta's a good person. Daniel Craig, um, Benoit Blanc, is outside singing the classic song, Losing My Mind, whilst waiting in the car. He did this because he's a massive Liza Minnelli fan. Ah, oh, that's So if cool. there's nothing else I take from this review, he's a massive Liza that's Minnelli cool. fan. Uh, and insisted, I'm taking that one lead to my grave now. I'm never forgetting that. <laughs> insisted on using this version of a song rather than her collaboration with the pet, rather than the collaboration with the Pet Shop Boys. Good. No, this is from her collaboration with the Pet Shop Boys. Apologies. There's another version they could have used, and they went, "No, I want to use this one instead." Oh, okay. Um, and she's going to come clean. Um, she's decided I'm going to go tell everybody the truth. At this point, you know Harlan knows. Not Harlan. Uh, Benoit knows the truth because Ransom has spilled his guts to try and protect himself. Mm-hmm. Um. And Meg says, I'm sorry, I, I, I told you about your mom. And, and I go, I don't trust Meg at all. No, I don't. No, thankfully, forgive her. Like, but that thank, nothing. Because the plot needs her to come up and say, but I'm going to smoke some weed from the stash. Mm. I'm gonna go, oh, stash. And they go check it out, and they find a toxicology report. And she goes, look, I just gave it to you. You're not much of a detective. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you don't make much of a murderer, which... He's telling the truth again. Yeah, again, yeah, like yeah, she yeah. thinks he's she's insulting him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's insulting her. But 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 no, it's 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 the idea that he knows the truth. He goes, well, maybe we deserve each other. Mm. And she's about to confess, and then Blanc interrupts and says they've all treated her like shit. <laughs> and he's ruling the death a suicide. And the dog has returned the baseball to Linda's hand, and Linda takes it. And this is important because she needs the baseball so she can go back into the office and find the letter. Yeah, but that's just also, sitting there on the desk. But you know, it was really nice as the baseball goes back to where it. Was, was yeah, the beginning, and then every, and then the, the game is over. It's had its journey, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is where we get to. And Blanc sits down in in the knives chair. Now you could argue, fresh from my brain here, there's a gap in the middle of a knife. There is almost like a donut, a donut, and it's his head that fills ah, the center of the clever. donut. I wondered what they moved to see. Mm. Again, no research there. That's, that's, that's from a guy who analyzes film and literature for a living. You're a criminal mastermind genius. There we go. And so uh, this us get the donut speech. And Ryan Johnston, uh, Johnson contemplated cutting the speech, but Craig convinced him it was good. And watching the actor deliver the speech sold him on keeping it throughout the whole thing. So in comes Ransom. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to tell him everything. He goes, ah, it's time for that later. Why do you hire me? And then uh, we find out that... Um, we get the flashback, and he goes, Marta's, this is, Ran- um, uh, what's his name? Not Ransom. Um, Hocklin, Harmon, Harlan? Harlan. Harlan, yeah. Harlan sells Ransom. Marta's going to get everything. You what? Your Brazilian nurse, which is funny at this point. Yeah, yeah. And we find out the meds were switched by Ransom. So as a result, when she thinks she's mixed them up, she's actually given the correct doses yep. based on the fact that she's a good nurse and therefore can tell the difference. And imagine, I said viscosity. I think they just mean, you know, the thickness or the way that it looks. She yeah. doesn't need to read the labels. So she gave them the correct stuff. So that's the problem because then 
when she has the meeting, so everything's going fine for Ransom until they go in and have the sausages and the beans. Mm-hmm. And when she says, I gave him the wrong ones, he's like, shit, the, the toxicology report will show nothing's gone wrong. Yeah. I can't use this to blackmail like I wanted to. That's why he laughs, sort of laughs at himself. So he? he's got, so he blows it, he blows it up. So you can't prove that. And he can still try to blame her because she's convinced she's done it. Yeah. Um, and so we get the idea of it back. The, the sad part is then, of course, that Harlan, as we find out, didn't need to kill himself. There was no. nothing wrong in his system. And Ransom was going to re-return and clean up his meth, but the, the, that was the dog barking we heard mm-hmm. because they don't know him. They know her. Yeah. And then we get the idea, it goes, Hugh did this because it was Fran who was blackmailing uh, Ransom. Yeah. And so Hugh Hugh did this because he makes the help call him Hugh. A clever bit, but it doesn't explain the look in her face where it's like, like terrible <laughs> anger. Yeah. Probably because she's dying. Hugh, 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 yeah, but you wouldn't go. Hugh did this. this Hugh second. won't get away with this. You'd go. Hugh did this. He won't get away with this. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't say Hugh both times. No. She was trying to get that ransom money. But then we. Um, the ransom. Well, also, because when they when they play it again, she like more in first. She's like, "You did this." Not yeah, the second time we we we, yeah. we it's I, they obviously shot that scene twice. I think. Yeah. Because when you look at it, you go, "Okay," and it's spelled out for the audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they do that because Frickles. Oh, so when you said she was saying Hugh, and you made the help always call you Hugh because you're an asshole and that last part saves it a bit but it was a little bit let's explain this to the audience make sure that they get this because it's important well they do explain it at the beginning don't they but I mean at the because we forget it when she went I I don't remember his name was Hugh I remember there was a name he had but I just went he's Ransom because Ransom is a much more interesting name as well so I don't want to think about Hugh I want to call him Ransom yeah who gives the kid the middle name Ransom it's just like, like it's just like random crimes in the middle. <laughs> this is this is our son Steve Arson Williams. <laughs> and who in their right mind cool is their name, middle though. name rather than their first name? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so uh, and so he goes. We let you into our ancestral home, and you think we're not going to fight or protect it? And already we found out Fran's okay, and she's ready to talk. We yeah. had a phone call. She's taking it. So and we and we're looking for to vomit. She's not vomiting. We're like, all right. I knew this though. And so I think everybody does yeah, at yeah, this point. Yeah. Uh, guys, were you assuming that when you thought the first time that she was lying at this point? And this was some sort well, of development. No. She's kind of squinting, and there's like oh, oh really? A tear rolling up in her eyes. So I'm like, oh yeah, she's she's about to spew. It could also be like my friend's gonna live, so I'm a little bit teary. Yeah, I didn't. No. I, I, I did. Wow. Like okay. That. Interesting. That be that might be the next part. Really good for you, then I guess. Uh, and he goes in ancestral home. You bought it from uh, Harlan. Bought it from some Pakistani family in the eighties. Like, Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! You and your foghorn leghorn. And, oh, I'm in my block. <laughs> um, and so Damn you for doing your he research. Said, he said, "I'm just gonna get attempted murder. It's a few years. That's all that's gonna happen. I'm gonna get off of this." And then she spews into his mouth. Oh, no nope, murder, and you just confess to it. She actually died, but it's almost said like happily. Yeah, like, no, she's dead <laughs> and it's and murder like, now because she's she, like you know what that means like, yeah we all yeah, know what that yeah. means she didn't count as a character she was just a plot device because <laughs> we all go yes she's dead yes it means he's guilty oh she lied to him look he said puked on and we we're like we totally overlooked the death of fran just so you know right if someone had projectile puked on me i'd have projectile puked on them Maybe. But, <laughs> but, but the point of fran, i think if fran doesn't try to blackmail him to begin with i don't think we 
I think we have, we have more of an issue with 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 the character's death. Absolutely, yeah. So the last thirty pages, uh, Ryan Johnson was surprised that Daniel Craig had completely memorized the last thirty pages of his script, most of which were a monologue delivered by his character. So Johnson ended up changing the way he shot the scenes then, because he usually you would cut this up into smaller pieces, so you don't have to give them as much effort yeah. to memorize it. But he went, "You've learned it all. We should do longer takes, good, so there's good. fewer cuts, so you can yeah, demonstrate good. just how well he learned it." Um, and I, 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 this last, it's really important, this last bit, because it's just, it's just, it's just Daniel Craig explaining the plot to the audience, isn't it? Yeah, but it ties up with the least It does, it does. Uh, but I mean, I, I like this, this could have gone really badly. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's really, really effective. I think And so. they don't use a ton of flashbacks. They use some, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really, really good. And he goes, well, in for a penny. And he grabs a, pl- a knife. He goes to stab her. I saw so, this Georgia, coming. did you see it coming that this was going to be a fake knife? Not until they hit the ground no. oh wow okay oh i did i was there for the minute he grabbed Susie it grabbed it yeah because <laughs> i remember they made a big deal about they that earlier deal, yeah. but but all, watching it i didn't it's like in a wrestling match knives on there no 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 wait no i think all the knives on that on that I don't, I don't, chair i would like be. to think they're not why would here's my question why would it's probably more bothered to get like this like a, it's really shot if you can just grab one off the thing and it breaks off. But secondly, you know, the Iron Throne's not like grabbing a random sword and just, like, using it in battle. But, like, isn't it more bother to find, like, a prop knife that goes, than this to actually find, like, a real knife? Yeah, but I think that's the irony of it. I think the irony is they're not all fake knives. Well, we're never going to know. All we no, know no, is no. he grabbed in one my, and it was in fake. In my mind, I'd like to think that that was one. All right. <laughs> Let us know, people. What, what, what do you think? Fake knife, real knife? <laughs> yeah. You know the, the at best film ever pod. Hit us on the socials. line comes right now. Well, yeah, because he looks, he just goes, shit. shit. <laughs> and he's like, he's not mad. He's just no, like, oh, he's like, damn oh. it. Uh, and so uh, Linda returns the baseball. Um, she grabs this letter and smiles because she knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Ransom is being arrested, and as this happens, Linda's just smoking a cigarette, taking it really calmly that her son's being arrested. I don't think she really cares, but the father does, Richard. Yeah, he does. He's trying his best to stop him. Uses the Zippo, lights up the thing, and we see a letter that says he's cheating. And then we got to Benoit and um, Marta again one last time. Goes, when did you know I had something to do with Harlan's death? He said, when you first stepped foot in front of me and points out the blood spot. Yeah. And he said, you won, not by playing the game Harlan's way, but yours. You're a good person. And, I I, like I, that. and it's, it's the metaphor of the go game, again, coming yeah. back to, to land. She goes, I should help them, right? I should help them. And he goes, <laughs> follow your heart. And in this shot, the painting is now smiling. The painting was not smiling up until this point. It was more of a powerful pose. Now it's a smiling pose. That's clever. It is clever. And we get the final shot where Marta is seen at the Thromby house. She's looking. They're all looking. The first time we see Marta, she looks up at the house, and the house looks powerful as they look back at her. In the last scene, they look up at her, and she looks down at them to show the power dynamic has been tweaked. And she's got the mug. And she's got the mug, and she covers up the part that says, my coffee my rules and it just says my, my house. house but isn't it very um like uh scarface you know when he's up in haven't seen it oh well he's up on this thing high up and he's in his dressing gown yeah like she is yeah showing him the power of this is mine yeah the power disparity yeah yeah, yeah. and so um <laughs> that is more or less it don johnson's black eye is a visual effect added in post 
Oh, wow. I was going to say, so, where did that come from? Well, I think we're supposed to assume that between the two bits, between when she said the conversation with Blanc, that Linda has punched him in the in the face. Yeah. That's which what is, I assumed. That I which, which, I which, which is what a character would do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also like how she's still sort of the one that's in, in, in the front out of all of the rest of the family. She's still, like, at the brunt of everything. Okay. She's got that distance as well from them. And just a couple of tidbits on the way out. Um, there is a sequel that's been announced to this film. Wow. It, the only character who will reappear is Benoit Blanc. Okay. So basically, say, it's like... You can't redo It's this. like Poirot Colombo. Yeah, he will yeah, do his... Yeah. Or it'll be, he, this will be his next great case. This might be a franchise then. I would be... Well, actually, you know what? And it's something he can age into. He can play Benoit... Yeah. Like James Bond, you got to stop at a certain point. But he can play Benoit Blanc for over 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be up for it. Yeah. If, if, if Ryan Johnson can do it. Like, it'd be good for like celebrities that have sort of passed that time that want that aren't very well known as well and want to sort of get well, back I, into something i think this is going to be a thing i want to be in a ryan johnson benoit blanc film yeah and it becomes like this cool thing to do because ensemble cast are kind of the, a big the, deal the, now yeah let's get together and see how big of an all and everyone works for like you know way less or even for scale so this will be like expendables but with a yeah that kind of a concept yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know just not for action yeah, but not, for more of a murder mystery kind yeah, of thing so yeah, i would i would very much go see another one of these um so um harlan thromby asks marta how she always beats him she says you're playing to win i'm playing trying to try to make a pretty pattern <laughs> and it nicely foreshadows marta's arc while the thromby families try to lie cheat and manipulate their way into winning the money in the estate marta's the only person who ends up doing the right thing at her own expense and therefore she ends up winning yeah. and finally as i'm sure has been brought up before apple agreed to have their products used in the film on the condition that no apple products could be used by the killer uh, the research said, notably, Marta does not use any Apple products. That's not even remotely true. She's got an Apple phone when it's all cracked. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't think that was an iPhone. Was it not yeah, an iPhone? No, because when it's ringing, it's so. it's like the Samsung. Oh, is it really? Samsung okay. Like oh, is it? Yeah. Well, then yeah. the, the, oh, okay. the research that I read got it right and said, therefore, this hints even further. I don't think people are taking it that. No. She doesn't have an iPhone. Because I think it's only starting to come to light now that yeah, these sorts yeah. of rules are in place. And secondly, Apple... Get over yourselves. Absolutely. Let a villain use an Apple product. Yeah. Come on. This villain nearly <sighs> destroyed the world through the speed of an Apple or else, computer. Or else it's a giant tell in future movies. It is, yeah. Like, if I know the bad guy's a bad guy, I guess fine. Don't let me, but if it's going to be something like this with a murder mystery, don't give me any extra information like no, that. Throw me off the he has a Lenovo <laughs> pen. It's going to be this giant now thing going, that was killer. amazing. He had an Apple phone, so I never thought he was going to be the killer for a moment. <laughs> How did they do Like, so stupid. <laughs> Uh, but okay let's go ahead uh the it's a 40 million dollar budget well let's hit the button shall we yeah we're in the end game now and we're doing okay with time for the end game here so the money 40 million dollar budget what do we think it makes liam i don't think that's going to be a big big hit okay so i'm gonna say 80 80 uh ethan i know it was popular but i don't know super i'm gonna go 300 300 and georgia I've seen it. Okay. This is where I'm going to do a part where I'm, I think Ethan cheats on things. Oh, okay. What? It was 311. Yeah. So Ethan gets know a that little one. bit cl- Okay. Okay. Did not know about one. Hinting, hinting that he has done in the past. Ha- <laughs> this time <laughs> I, I didn't. That one. <laughs> I switched the vials and didn't know. I just, I knew because I'm such a good guesser that I just was able to get the right numbers. They oh. guess. Uh, Deadline Hollywood predicts, despite that, but it only made $82 million in profit. Hey, I was, cl- I was close then. That's profit, yeah. yeah but yeah. so, like, so if you think about it, like, you know, 
on the surface, it's two hundred and seventy-one million yeah, in the yeah, right yeah. direction. So, yeah. how much did they spend on publicity? Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Like that's, that's almost two hundred million, mm. five times the film's budget. Whoa! <laughs> like you'd have to think it would be more than that, or else why would you ever make a movie? Yeah, if, if the margins are that thin. <sighs> Yeah. So uh, it did get an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay. So good job, Ryan. And overall, the script's good. Yeah. There's just a couple of lines that me go, oh, that's a bit lazy. <laughs> um, whose story is it? Mata's? Yeah, I think mm. so. Yeah. I'm going to maybe go ahead and put a vote because Marta's, I'm sorry, Marta's very one note. Yeah. You're a good person. But you need, that's our character in every scene. You need that in the center of it all. Yeah, and so this is the donut within the donut, which we didn't fully talk about. So the donut would be, imagine a big old donut, right? Yeah. One you might get from Tesco or something like that with a big old hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then imagine a smaller donut you can put inside that. And we think that was the bit with Marta and her uh, her switching the drugs. But there's still a hole inside that smaller donut, right? Mm-hmm. And that part still hasn't been answered is who hired me. Mm-hmm. And when you get that, then it explains that one and then it explains the bigger one overall yeah and like we said who's in the center of a donut when he sits in the chair yeah true. Benoit Blanc. Yeah, it is. Ha-ha! i'm really proud of myself <laughs> for that one. i really am so i'm gonna argue though it, i'm gonna say that it's this, it's the story of the family it's the story of this go with with christopher Plummer. it's his story it's his story mm. he he dies before before the events of the film but there's enough flashback that it that gives you all of his information and why it's happened and why he ended up dying. Fair enough. And the idea that this is what he wanted, what happens in the yeah. end is what he wanted. Cut them off and put someone who deserves it in the right spot and unapologetically sits there with a, with a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. My house. Mm-hmm. I, still think, I still think it's her story. For me. Oh, I mean, you could all... Yeah, I don't think we know anything about Benoit Blanc. I think he's a... He's, he's the device by which we learn about other people. Yeah. I really, I really, I think there's a fascination in watching rich, wealthy, powerful families fall. Yeah, I think we said that when we did uh, Shit's Creek. It's yeah, just, it's so satisfying. It's satisfying. It's audience superiority. We like to feel better than the people who have money and power. People who never lose it feels like in real life, and Hollywood gives us that escapism that we can actually see them fall. Yeah, yeah. So good on them. Um, a little fact, going back to um, the whole Poirot-esque feel to it. Yep. Agatha Christie actually wrote the death of Poirot before um, before the war broke out. Oh, okay. Because she felt that if she didn't survive the war, she wanted to know how he ended. Yeah. So um, she kept that book for many years later, and so she wrote more in between. Even things like Game of Thrones, like uh, George R. R. Martin tipped off the, the showrunners. He said, even if I die, here's how it ends. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to appreciate people who actually have the end of their Absolutely. characters in mind. Yeah. Uh, even beyond themselves, potentially. Yeah. Um, role of women in this film? I, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was strong in this film. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't like her beliefs and her views as a character, but as... Yeah, I, again, role of women doesn't mean, are the women good people? No, no, It no. means, do they have agency in their own lives? Yeah. Yeah, and all of the, all of the women in this do. Very, very strong. Yeah. Very impressive. They're very yeah. diverse in their beliefs, their appearances, their sort of actions. Role of women is, from, is fantastic. It is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Starting with this female um, lead, and, and you put her in this kind of traditional carer sort of role... But then you make her have this incredible strength 
within to just always do the right thing yeah. and it's not because a she's a ba- it's not because she's a badass like she cries and she's uh, yeah. scared but she's still despite all that considers the right thing um you know the characters who jump out at me most from the um thromby family are the women mm-hmm. they're the ones i seem to resonate with the most or, or remember the most yeah uh the 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 blackmailer was 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 a woman yeah uh yeah i've got she's you know marta lives with her mother and her sister i mean i think absolutely mm-hmm the two fathers in the family are very weedy and like pathetic in sort of how they're presented most of the time. Yep. Yeah. And very much like each other. So it's kind of interesting that, that Linda married a man who was just kind of like her, her brother in many ways. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Andrew Chow, who wrote for Time Magazine, described the film as one of the most unexpectedly subversive films of the year. And co-producer Ram Bergman said the sophisticated elements of the film were essential from its infancy. The film's lead actress, Darmus, saw it as a major studio release that stars a Latina that condemns entrenched aspects of American society. And Carlos Aguilar, writing for... Ramajelka, sorry if I don't get that incorrect, uh, took note of the Thrombies family's racist worldview, which contrasted how the Latina lead emerges as a heroine for all immigrants and their children, whose most inalienable superpower comes from empathy, civility, resiliency, and the utmost value for human life. And there's a metaphor to that. This is the idea of, there's an argument about 21st century America and, you know, the words birthright and ancestral Mm. and the idea that we always had money, so we always deserve to have the money. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I think it's a story that could be related just as easily if you had had her, uh, or let me phrase that. I guess a story that people who are not privileged but are of a white background can relate to just as much as an international mm-hmm. the idea of here are the british people with the money and i'm never allowed to play ball we put a, a further barrier up by making her of uh, first generation american you know her mother's an illegal immigrant status and we go a step further by making her a woman on top of that yeah so i think really really interesting um storytelling it's good uh favorite characters uh I'm gonna say, I love how you like do like that lip thing right into the mic, so I'm gonna have to sorry, edit the close of it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, because I, I changed my mind. Okay. It, was, it was gonna be Marta, but because I, I associate more with that character. Yep. Uh, but I'm gonna say Daniel Craig. Benoit Blanc, because the name Blanc being white, Mister White, Mister White, yeah. Very Cluedo esque. Oh, uh, yeah. It is. And they talked about it. They called it a clue board because, of course, in the States it's called Clue. Yeah. Here it's called Cluedo. Yeah. Something that myself and Anne Hegarty had a conversation about on the. It didn't make, the, make, make, make air, but we were talking yeah, a little yeah. about Clue versus Cluedo on, oh, the, on the set okay. of uh, of The Chase. Yes. Because I didn't like him to start with. I didn't. The, the voice threw me. Yeah. Um, but I warmed up to him and I liked him. Okay. Uh, out of curiosity, do you have a favorite member of the Thromby family? Yes. And? I'm going to say Jamie Lee Curse. All right. Linda. Linda. Georgia. I really liked uh, Benoit Blanc, yeah. He was my, he was probably my favorite character, but I did really like Marta as well. Um, favorite um, family member. I, I still quite liked Meg, um, but I think that's probably a, a something that I've kind of ignored the bad parts because she's the most similar to me out of all of the rest of the characters. As far as demographically speaking? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Ethan? Uh, it's... I'm going to go Benoit Blanc as well just because I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I like this character even though like the biggest awful person. Because Martha, like you said, is very one note, but Benoit Blanc has the be- some of the best scenes and lines. And um, like... Daniel Craig gives an amazing performance in this, which just beats um, Anna the Armist's like 
to high heaven, even though she's great in this. Yep. Favorite in the fa- family. I'm going to say Ransom just because Chris Evans is so charismatic. Oh, yeah, I forgot gr- he's a family he member. Some, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did, to be fair. I would have probably Yeah, no, him. I changed my answer, Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Ransom. But only because the way he deals with stuff. I think I did, in my head, consider him separate. You're, you're oh, not yeah, wrong. And that's you know, why I didn't but, think... but, but he's an outsider. He's yeah. a black sheep he in the family. He has great fashion as well. Like, all of oh, yeah, his costumes, true. I, I yeah. love. And I would probably wear myself. Um, for myself, I'm going to go with... It's hard. I really do appreciate Daniel Craig in this Poirot, Columbo-esque kind of role. Uh, I'm going to go with Anna de Armas because she had to do more with less. She didn't get the big speeches. Okay. She did a lot of uh, quiet acting, a mm-hmm. lot of reactionary acting, uh, a lot of you know tears and fears and moments and breathing and more subtle things. Uh, and this is myself who likes great long passages of dialogue, mm-hmm. but I there's something in that for my hair family member i could be a real jerk and say i like harlan the best but why not <laughs> yeah um he is good he is he is really i mean it's just i'll go ahead i'll, I'll throw my vote towards jamie lee curtis because i did think she was outside. i think i think i, thought she was I think I, I really got a kid and then i'll be a bit of a different thing so favorite element favorite moment my and favorite it, moment was the grabbing of the knife that was the prop really because <laughs> <laughs> it's the way he dealt with it he was like ah okay. shit <laughs> uh georgia um, I really liked the story. I, I've not watched very many murder mysteries, and I discovered I really like it. Murder mysteries, is, is, if done well, it's a really fun. Absolutely. The, the, oh, s- yeah. the sad part is when you guess it like eight minutes in, and you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Or, or when you get to the end, you go, no, that doesn't, no, it doesn't, and you feel ripped off. Yeah. No, no, but this one didn't do any of those things. So yeah, you know, there are really so many murder that. mystery shows that do that, that. They're like, oh, yeah, it's obviously this guy. For 40 minutes, they're like, oh, no, no, look how awful this person is. And yeah. they're like, oh, you, you would have guessed. Yeah, we, all, we all knew. To be fair, it's kind of what Snape does with the always, isn't it? <laughs> they just explain it away in movie like eight, and you're like, what? Oh, oh yes, Snape is not well Placed in he's not well placed. He actually did jerk for six and a half films, yeah. and then you, and he explains it away in two minutes. You're like, this no, this doesn't really hold up. Actually, Under- I still think the reasoning sucks. It does. Uh, Ethan, what do you got for your best moment? Um, I love the cinematography in this. Yeah. I, Amazing. When we get around to doing Last Jedi, I can go on for a long time about how much <laughs> I love the cinematography in that film at points i think all of ryan johnson's films looper isn't the best film but it's still shot amazingly he he like ryan johnson has planned out these scenes so well to have meaning and everything and i think it's just it's so expertly done yeah i i can't i can't deny that because i'm gonna go with a story element but or, or mm-hmm. thing i really loved seeing and this is kind of me cheating a little bit maybe but i really like seeing chris evans play against type yeah, that was good. That was my favorite part was there was a lot of humor I got from placing. I think he could do this. And so uh, the ability to, sh- to just make those scenes and the, you know, the, one of them is, is the eat shit scene. <laughs> and then another one is probably the scene where, uh, he's got the, he's wearing the sweater and they're, they're at the, 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 the diner table. and they're yeah. having the sausage and the beans. I uh, really enjoyed those two scenes and just sort of seeing him play a bit of a slime ball. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, clever. Um, They'll have to be really careful the next time because the problem is you can do it once. Can you do it twice? Yeah, exactly. Can you, because you can't go down the same road because I'll be looking for that person who's, who's, you know, mm-hmm. he's the, it's clever. He's the black sheep. He ends up being the one, maybe the one you most suspect is the one who does it. So there's something in that, I guess. Maybe. Because that's not usually what happens. No. So, 
Um, outside of that, uh, we got to think about uh, a grumble. A grumble. I'll start mine. Kill him. M- mine's grandma. Are you back again? Uh, ransom and a, yes. I have an issue with are you back yes. or are you back again it implies he's been back multiple times yeah. I'm like no no are you back again already could be uh, I'm going off to the shop and then you came back 10 minutes later I go oh are you back again already yeah that's you know funny. it's not oh the word again suggests I'm like oh, it's very semantic and actually this is an English teacher going I'm not buying this plus yeah. if she's lucid enough to tell the story she's loose enough to tell the difference absolutely so that's mine yeah that, that's mine as well okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I picked up on earlier wasn't I mean, it might be a front, I, just, I just tell you for might be a front runner for, for, for my plot hole of the year. I really just think yeah. that's, that's the part which I think is a bit lazy. Absolutely. Uh, Georgia? Uh, yeah, that, but also the fact we never do find out why she wasn't invited to the funeral, and I'd quite like to know. But the mother wasn't invited to the funeral? No, thingy. Mom. Oh, Marta. Well, cause it's, yeah. No, cause it's because it's all lip service. They don't really see her as a member of the family. No, oh, I yeah. know, I know, but I'd li- I, I guess I'd just like it to be a little bit more explicit. No, all of them. Okay, here, here's the, here I think is the implicit thing. All of them voted that she, no, there was no vote. She no. was never going to come, and they can't tell her to her face. They act, they say the, the, the nice thing, the right thing, but then they so, don't really so consider surface, her family yeah. at all. No. Okay, so maybe I needed one more person to tell her that they were outvoted then, just so it was maybe, yeah. Slightly the, more obvious. Yeah. It's hard because you don't want it to be a punchline. Like somehow, like they all got together and said, "Let's all save us to yeah. her." Yeah. But no, I hear what you're saying for for clarity's sake. But I think once you heard it twice, I went, "Okay, mm-hmm. it's it's all of them." The only one who I could believe would want her there would be Meg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even then, I'm, no, I think, no she, I, think I, I think she would. Meg sharing her weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. Um. So, Ethan, do you have a do you have an issue? I, I guess maybe just parts of the exposition just feel very forced and i understand it's it's uh who done it and that happens a lot but there was just a point i think especially with hall and oats girls character where it's just so so explicit and kind of not droll but just forced okay um picking in a bit of a higher gear because we're going to have you on time um anybody's best role ever mm-hmm. No, I've not seen really anyone else in anything else other than Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, music, so maybe. I'm out. I think I'll 100 put my claim down. I think this is Daniel Craig's best role ever. Actually, yeah, mm. he's better in this than he is in the second. Oh, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember Skyfall. Skyfall is amazing. In Skyfall, he's not good in the other one. No. Until we go over this again, I will put this down as his best role ever. When we look at Skyfall again, I, I reserve the right to change your mind. Uh, I'm saying Skyfall. I'm, I'm torn between this and Logan Lucky because he's just so fun mm, in both of those. Uh, definitely I, better in this than he is in Dragon Tattoo. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can't say Anna de Armas because she's fantastic in Blade Runner. Um... um Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm tempted. Yeah, but I saw her in the new Halloween, and she's very good in that. Almost, I mean, Trading Places. She's 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 got more agency in this. That's the thing, you know. Yeah. She's more than just. Mm. And it's comedy versus it's 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 difficult. It's difficult. Um, Georgia, do you want to go ahead and do some stuff about critics? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, so Jeffrey M. Anderson from Common Sense Media says, This delightful, hilarious, clever mystery comedy is total entertainment with expert precision work at every level, but also with an irresistible, gleeful sense of fun bursting from the screen. Mm, okay. Which I quite like. Yeah. Uh, we get Leonard Maltin, who says... Oh, I love friend, Leonard Maltin. I really do. Yeah. 
knives out never ever dull and offers the kind of classy entertainment we could use more of on the big screen and i have a feeling we'll see more of daniel craig's colorful character down the road i really hope we do yeah i do yeah Mm. i I think that's everybody here saying that they'd they'd go see a sequel yeah oh yeah without a doubt okay and then finally from um brian tellerico who is writing for um roger ebert's page at the moment okay um, just says Ryan Johnson's Knives Out is one of the most purely entertaining films in years. It's the work of, of a cinematic magician, one who keeps you so focused on what the left hand is doing that you just miss the right. And in this case, it's not just a wildly fun mystery to unravel, but a scathing bit of social commentary about where America is in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, I guess it's really well said. And to be fair, our grumbles weren't really grumble. grumble. Oh, they're, they're, you know they're, they're small things. Uh, no, no, no. We were, we were nitpicking, weren't we? I, I mean, you think about what we said about 10 things I hate about yeah. you. And some of the things that I was like, no, there's not nearly as many issues, no. both in representation or in social, uh, what we allow as far as socially, we said a behavior or yeah. even just, just the process of filmmaking. I didn't say anybody here was bad. No, no, no. And the, the acting is, is actually fantastic across the board. Brilliant. All right. So next up, we have to talk about our critics, our critics and what they thought about Knives Out. Ooh. So even the score podcast who i've had a nice little conversation about inception with the last few days nice. said uh, i heard a great story about him some this is christopher Plummer, someone mm-hmm. that was informed that mr Plummer would be arriving shortly and they should absolutely not talk about the sound of music <laughs> this location also had a piano and after he arrived he was later seen at the piano singing edelweiss to fans class act and that, that is, is a class that is act. a class act that's brilliant i imagine that sound of music like followed the guy for the rest of his career of course but i kept him current yeah, I mean, it's, that, it's one of those things that's kind of timeless. I mean, everybody yeah. knows the sound of music. Of course. Yeah. So, and then we've got a friend of the podcast, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith! Who says, <laughs> uh, what a cast and so many outstanding performances. It's up there with the greatest murder mysteries. It's so smart and keeps you guessing right into the end. And what an end. It was. My, my house. <laughs> my house my house something about coffee yeah my rules i wonder what she'll do with it what do you do with a chair <laughs> would you want to keep this chair as a memory of the time some guy tried to stab you no but like imagine that on facebook marketplace that chair. <laughs> 15 pounds i don't know uh, uh, it brilliant. goes down in the pm and, and 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 they're awesome over there uh says agatha christie vibes which you felt as well i did yeah uh, it was an awesome movie it was my first time seeing it it was weird to see chris evans as anyone other than captain america he did such a great job as a bad guy I think that's why i gave it my favorite element was that side of it yeah uh, his face makes you deny what your eyes and ears are telling you cognitive dissonance for sure Cog- Cognitive dissonance. That's a nice word. We don't get that you level know. of verb. I think I'm pretty good with the words, but cognitive dissonance. Yeah, for an English well teacher. Well done. Nice to hear, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a bit of a psycho- it's really more of a psychology <laughs> thing than anything else. But yeah, definitely. I'm like, nice, good use of advanced vocabulary. Cool. Tick. A friend of the podcast, Andrew Shevsky, says, after somewhat rocky perception from The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson proves he can redefine a genre by bringing clue to the modern age and being a perfect, sorry, and bring a perfect murder mystery for a modern crowd. The cast is absolutely insane, and it is my favorite role from Daniel Craig and Christopher Plummer. Ooh, Interesting, because we talked yeah, about that. I said it was mine. I said it was mine for Daniel Craig. It's not mine for Christopher Plummer. No, no. Sound of Music, and even even Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I thought he was better in that. So you know. I, I liked him in that. I haven't seen Sound of Music. No, no. Oh wait, we talked about that. We That's did. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Main Street Finance said, "I thought Knives Out was a great movie and a perfect example of why you should never bring a suspect along when you are trying to solve a case." turned out to be quite effective if she's not there to puke i mean yeah i don't know what happens 
So, yeah. And then finally, it's a musical podcast says the film was excellent. No other way to describe it. I'm not a big murder mystery fan. And the trailers with Daniel Craig's accent made me weary. I say, I say, I say, boy, (laughs) I'm a foghorn leghorn. But when we start, uh, but when we got going, I loved everything about it. Even the voice. Great casting. And I hope the start of a franchise. And I hope so, too. Yeah, we do. I'd go see it. Yeah, I think definitely. we also be able to see it again. Yeah. So that is that. Thanks so much to everybody who contributed and keep those little mini reviews coming. It's always fun to read them out. It is. Thank Especially when they reinforce what I've already said. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, just really quickly, uh, director Edgar Wright stated that Knives Out was his favorite film of 2019 because he said nice. it was fiendishly plotted. And I'm saying I can understand someone having that viewpoint. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a strong film. I think he and Ryan Johnson have become pretty good friends, actually. Well, you know, Maybe that's the thing. So uh, this is this might even be. It's potentially this could be our our newest film we've done. It's this or Joker. Uh, I think this came out maybe like a week or two after. Joker. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh wait, you said October, didn't you? In Joker, yeah. September. Is yeah. it September? You said or December? Uh, Joker was September. Oh, so this is our newest film we've ever done. Yeah, I think so, it's new. Time for our ratings, Liam. What are you going to give this film? I'm going to give this uh, a strong. Nine knives. Nine knives. Yeah. Wow. Knives prop knives or <laughs> prop and real knives. Wow. <laughs> we won't be able to tell the difference. We're we're, we're making a chair. I this surprised me. This film. Wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting to have such a a, a good reaction to this, and I, and I really did like it. Georgia. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it eight and a half. I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked seeing Daniel Craig in a silly role. I liked the stupidity of it whilst actually telling a decent story i thoroughly enjoyed it this is my type of film i think all right ethan i'm giving it eight and a half vomits out of ten eight and a half vomits <laughs> out of ten uh, i'm gonna join most of the consensus i'm giving it eight and a half foghorn leghorn impressions <laughs> why not out of 10 and so i'm just gonna do something i'd like to do more of is see kind of where it fits in the grand scheme of things so as our most recent stats would suggest that would mean that we have put knives out as literally it is our fourth best film ever wow wow because we didn't if you think about it we Um, didn't have the lowest (laughs) mark was eight and a half which three of us gave it yeah so yeah solidly in the number four spot it's just pipped pirates of the caribbean so our fifth Oops, pirates uh, of the caribbean three, two, one, one. fourth is knives out third is the usual suspects second is moulin rouge and the first cellophane cellophane all that jazz <laughs> chicago so that is that so all that's really left for us to do then is just talk about what we got coming up on the pod over the next week or so yeah a um, lot <laughs> You have already had the chance to see Train Spotting because we're shooting this one out of order again. So Train Spotting yeah. will already be out by the time this hits. But go back, give a listen to Train Spotting again. Totally different. Three films in a row, like ten things I mm-hmm. hate about you. Train Spotting and this, yeah. three very different films. Wow. Which I think is something that we do well. I think I we think do a wide variety of films. Yeah. Uh, please continue on Talking the Mickey, which you can find on a pod chaser or catcher wherever you you, you go. Uh, we continue our series on Wandavision, and by the time this drops, we should have just released Tangled. So. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. I like Tangled. And then there's Will have announced already on the train spotting episode of what we're doing next because I can't tell these guys. So. <laughs> no, you you know, you for a second <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, I can't do that now. So that is about that. Mm. So four best film ever. Hope you've enjoyed our little uh, retrospective mini tribute to Christopher Plummer. Good job in this film. Yeah, really like it. Absolutely. Good so, for best film ever. I've been Ian. I've been Liam. I've been Ethan. 
and I've been Georgia. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm hungry for some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop. <laughs> <laughs>